Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160 is the number for you to call to get in on the conversation with us. 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. And Richie Rich. And um, we'll be joined soon by Peakless Mountaineer, but... Maybe. That That bum... I know I was going to say, that pumpkin fest uh, <laughs> traffic is holding him up, I guess. That's the, that's the lamest excuse. I'm calling him out on the radio. <laughs> I also commute to the studio, and I didn't even know there was a pumpkin fest going on until I hit the detour. Hmm. I'm like, I'm still going to be well, on time. There was a detour. Just yesterday, um, pumpkin fest, I think, started, if not, was just like getting set up because there's a bunch of pumpkins downtown and like lights and stuff. And there was... Nowhere for me to get food with like less than a 25 minute wait of just going and picking up the food. And I was like, what's going on? And I was like, oh, my God, it's pumpkin fest. Every all these hill people are coming out of nowhere. Like we got to go into the city keen because the pumpkin fest is going on. So I I had an article for show prep a a week or two ago, Hmm. and it was like a whole town of Vermont that shut down the, the, the town to outsiders. During wow. leaf peeping season. Oh, like, I saw that you posted okay. that. Yeah. And I thought that was like kind of cool. Shut to it be down. Like no foreigners allowed. If you're coming to do the leaf peeping, too bad. You got to go. And now we are joined by Peakless Mountaineer. Welcome. Glad to be here. The single bearded son of a gun tonight. Happens from time to time. All right. Got to bring more beard to the Free Talk Live just to balance things out, make the transition easier. So he normally has more than one beard is what you're saying? Yes, he does. He usually has two beards. The braids? Yes. It's still one beard. But you know who doesn't have a beard? Which is honestly kind of surprising because I feel like it would kind of maybe even out his head with his big bushy hair shape. Javier Malay. Oh, okay. He has nice a really strange head um, just because of the weird uh, shapeless haircut he kind of has. It, it just looks so large. And uh, it always makes me laugh when I see it. He looks like a werewolf or something. But I very do kind of like him. Very 70s. Yes, okay. it's very 70s. It kind of looks like um, a host of the, uh, someone who used to be a co-host of the show. And I probably shouldn't say who. It looks like Teen Wolf. That's what he looks like. <laughs> Um, it's the title of this article from CBC is a chain wielding or sorry, a chainsaw wielding libertarian could become Argentina's next president. And of course, in the subtitle, they have to say something that makes him sound really bad. Worse than chainsaw wielding. Yeah. Well, or libertarian. What? what, what it, there is that. What exactly makes you a chainsaw wielding libertarian? Yeah, I've known wielder. a lot of flavors, but chainsaw wielding? It's like I mean, if you've cut down a tree with a chainsaw, you're not necessarily like, oh, everyone knows him as the chainsaw wielder for the rest of your life. Okay. So what did he chase someone with it? Who knows? Maybe he maybe he dressed up as Leatherface one Halloween. Hmm. Or maybe this is just what they call you when you say, yeah, I'm going to remove things. Like, that actually doesn't need to exist. We're going to take okay. that out of government. You chainsaw-wielding libertarian! You're going to have a bunch of copycats at Porkfest now, or Porkfash, oh, open-carrying <laughs> chainsaws, dressed like Javier Malay. Isn't the thing they used to... Maybe I'm completely crazy, but isn't the thing they used to set the wooden porcupine on fire a chainsaw and a... No, it's like they wouldn't two use weapons a chain, Yeah, they wouldn't use a chainsaw to set it on fire. No, but it's a, but they would use it to cut the wood potentially. 
Oh, I don't know why. I just thought that there was something that was like a chainsaw and a flamethrower that okay. they use. But maybe it's not a chainsaw. It's something else. I don't know. I don't know, but I want to work with you on the design. Yeah. You're sitting on a gold mine. Like instead of one of those guns with a bayonet on it, it's a gun with a chainsaw on it. That's a thing. They oh, have God. the chainsaw bayonet. So. Mm, nice. I guess I didn't invent it. I'm not going to get rich. But yeah, a chainsaw that is also a flamethrower sounds like a win to me. <laughs> I'm with you. For like doing something in like a forest if you're trying to deforest or, you know, but cut you yourself ha- out. Roasting the gnomes for a f- Right. <laughs> but you have to you have to take the the card from uh from Elon Musk and label it this is not a chainsaw flamethrower. <laughs> yes. Then it's okay. That's how you get it through customs. What did he do with that? Oh, he labeled his flamethrowers this is not a flamethrower. Oh, okay. That was the official name of the item. I've it's also not a that. very powerful flamethrower. Like it's not it's not mil spec. It's like the one they use for creme brulees. Uh, a little more than creme brulee. Maybe um, Javier Malay was just a waiter, you know, going and putting creme brulees on the table and yes. baby flame. Oh, wait, no, it's a, it's a chainsaw they're accusing yeah, him he, of having. They're not calling him a flamethrower-wielding <laughs> yeah. libertarian yet. The well, flaming chainsaw-wielding libertarian. <laughs> it says, a chainsaw-wielding libertarian could become Argentina's next president. And the subtitle says, country facing high inflation, Falling currency and rising poverty. And it just, you know, they try to make that sound like it's a cause and effect statement because why, you know, they just want you to associate the two things. Yeah, they want you to think about this person and think about everything bad and think about our people and think about everything good, even though they're the ones causing everything bad. Right. Like if he wins and takes over and turns it around. Right. Like what's what's the narrative going to be then? He's going in. To a, you know, he's going into a system that's already highly inflated, right? Currency depreciation, all everything you just listed, and he's the libertarian that has a plan to fix it. If he's truly going to go in and turn things around, and he's not just doing this Trump thing where he's pretending he is, then he'll probably get assassinated. Uh, it, it he seems legit, honestly, mm-hmm. and I've been burned before by politicians, so I'm pretty careful. But he, RFK, okay. yeah, I mean. He honestly seems to, like, he literally used to teach Austrian economics. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he's actually going to do the thing where he says, no more printing Argentinian dollars. We're going to go to the American dollar. And and, and I get the criticism on that. But number one, it is a move in the right direction that that illustrates that it works because I mean, it's a very long haul to move to actually good money. Right. Whereas moving to the dollar is going to get you in so much better of a place than Argentina is. It at least is proof of concept. And there's something that happens when you shift the the tax base from money printing to money collecting. That it, it as bad as government is, it's way worse when they no longer care if you are productive at all. Hmm. So right now they're just printing, printing because it's their own central bank. But if right. they were using another country's central bank, you're you're saying they'd have to collect it, right? They'd have earn to earn it in a way. Yeah, I mean they couldn't print it. Yeah. I mean I wouldn't go as far as saying earn it, but yeah, they yeah. their their people would have to be productive enough that they could tax that productivity and then collect on it. Whereas right now it doesn't matter if their people are productive or not; they can just print the money and it spends just as well. So we've we have shared on this program and in other venues before the quote absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. So libertarian Austrian economist professor gets the reins of the entire country. Mm. Will he then be corrupted? Almost certainly. Be interesting. Okay. All right. 
I, I I don't know what rate at which he will be corrupted, but almost certainly he will be corrupted. I wish okay. we could could have seen if that happened with Ron Paul because he is more. I think just. Like, this guy has somewhat of a crazy bent to him, and Ron Paul's pretty level-headed, and, like, it would be so much more interesting to see if he got corrupted. Let me let me. Yeah, suggest. what would that even look like? Right. It looks like Ron Paul. Here's the thing. Okay, I've, I've, I've said this before. Uh, I am not the biggest Ron Paul fanboy hmm. like most people are. Hmm. Why Beca- is that? Because in my- Because he likes to be different. No. <laughs> edgy. With, yeah, edgy, yeah, fine. Edgy and different, but with reason. So, Ron Paul- Not reason. The magazine. Oh yeah, Ron. Not Paul. Ron Paul's magazine either. No, no, he's got his the racist he's got magazine. The, yeah, the, the, that's the one. So Ron Paul took a strategy of victory that libertarians wouldn't take, and he did so by putting an R next to his name in order to win. Hmm. Right. So there's there's compromise principles even in that to a small degree, and then while in office, he is on record as voting no on all of these. You know, bills and laws and whatever that comes across his desk, doctor, no. Uh, but he also admitted to putting his own personal projects in there for his constituency, knowing that he could vote no and be doctor, no. Uh, but that would pass anyway, and the taxpayer funds would go to his mm. his, his county or whatever. That does his kind of And I think right. that's great. Good for him. That's okay, but don't. I think that's completely moral. Well, don't I, I would put have to know what the, the bills pedestal. were. If the bills were something that would cut down on government power, then it would be kind of a good thing. No, it doesn't cut down on government power because yeah. it's actually funneling federal funds then why would he pe- to his constituents. Don't know. Right. Yeah, it was. It, it was when he knew that these were terrible bills that were going to pass uh, spending bills because they're they're always terrible. Yeah. Uh, so he knew these were going to pass. And he would put his own little pet projects in there to pay off his constituencies, uh, pay off his uh, local area organizations, and, you know, sort of feed back to the people who were helping him out. And I don't think there's anything immoral about that. Okay. I think that, look, if these things were going to pass anyway, it's not like he changed them in any, he didn't well, make them the more evil. In. But he's the one that put him in. Well, I do want to pause and we can come back to talking about um, Ron Paul, but it is a call in talk radio show. So I'm going to go to your phone calls and thoughts. We have it looks like Brad on the line in New Hampshire or Massachusetts. What's on your mind, Brad? Hi, good evening. Um, For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm a former New Hampshire police officer who uh, was deprogrammed by Free Talk Live and uh, became a libertarian. And I wanted to talk tonight about uh, minarchism and some exceptions that I think are necessary to the no victim, no crime rule. Boo. Okay, well, st- start with one at a time. <laughs> I, and then I let's, will preemptively you know... tell you you're wrong, but I'll hear you out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's do, let's do one right, at well, a time to... instead of like listing them out and then um, explain yourself like what you think about it. And then uh, I'll give the co-host a chance to respond. Sure. So the first one is weapons of mass destruction. I think that um, I think that in a libertarian state, the uh, the libertarian state, the people who are elected can employ professionals that are able to handle things like nuclear weapons, which shouldn't exist in the first place, and things like biotoxins and things like that. I want nuclear weapons sold in vending machines. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so at present, I think we have these weapons of mass destruction in the hands of the least responsible people on the face of the earth. Mm. 
And uh, when it comes to biological weapons, I think that the best thing that we can do is let people figure out how to counter them. Like, sure, you can you can release, you know, X, Y, Z, terrible disease. But if you let us figure out how to counter it, then we have some defense against it. Whereas right now you have the most evil people on Earth because they were the ones who were willing to do the most evil things to get to the very, very top who have their hands on the most powerful weaponry. And I will also say that possession of property is not a crime. Right. And you have you have to use that weapon in some form or fashion that creates a victim and owning it does no such thing. Those are um, the very like principled answers to him, but I would just have to say it's not really, um, it's not based in fact or anything, but I just believe that most people don't want to spend their time and they're not smart enough and dedicated and, you know, unified consciousness to where they're going to sit there and really put effort into it to create their own weapons of mass destruction in their backyard and then just shoot them off of people. Like, think of the um, objectives you'd have to have in your life. Like, that's what you want to do. Like, how many people are like that? And if we had a society that was a lot healthier, I think that we would be able to, you know, if something like that's going on with your neighbor, I, I just think that in a totally libertarian society, it, it's a it's a thing I just don't think would become a problem. And even if it was, I've never seen any problem that was solved just by someone writing on a piece of paper. You can't do that because people if somebody wants to do that, like right now, even though it's illegal to do that, then they would. But how many people are even attempting to do that? Yeah. And one thing I'd like to point out is so uh, a nuclear weapon, yeah, I, I completely understand why that's an incredibly dangerous thing, but those are expensive. And think about when was the last time that someone took their multi-million dollar yacht and just slammed it into something for fun? Hmm. Like, it's just, it's not a thing that tends to happen. So these very expensive things do tend to have a certain amount of regulation in that if you don't have the sanity for wielding something powerful, you tend not to have the resources to acquire it. Secession would be a lot easier if New Hampshire had a nuke. That's true. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's one of the things where if you have uh, if you're aiming for the minimum amount of power to be centralized, then a lot of the uh, the most effective tactics in terms of self defense are to have a couple of self defense companies that do in fact have a nuclear weapon just to get other countries to go. Hmm, Maybe do not. I really want to invade New Hampshire? How about I don't do that? Do you have any response for all of this, Brad? Uh, well, I just think these things are so dangerous that, it, it, you know, you can say, yeah, it, technically, if I possess a nuclear weapon or if I have ricin or if I have sarin gas or if I have something like that, just having it doesn't hurt anybody. But the potential for, for destroying the nation um, is, is just too high that the possession of these things should be, I, be, I believe, as a minarchist, uh, and again, I respect that you guys are anarcho-capitalists and uh, don't believe that a state should exist. Um, but as a minarchist myself, I believe that the the libertarian state should prohibit um, the possession of these things. And I only have two more uh, other uh, other exceptions. Well, well hold on. What, what do you mean when sh- should prohibit the possession of these things? So doesn't Meaning, the, doesn't the authority that prohibits have the ability to own these things? They would have to. 
Right. I mean, well, I don't think uh, they should. At the moment, I think that we're in the worst of all possible worlds in terms of controlling a nuclear weapon. I mean, the dementia patient that is currently in the Oval Office can suddenly decide that he wants nuclear explosions. And he's already threatened people with it. Remember, he threatened people with it. There were like people that were saying they're anti government or whatever, and he said, We have nukes, didn't he? Or was it a plane? I don't know. you know, there, there's also the, there's also the difference between I don't think they should, and I'm going to actively stop them from doing. Mm. Right, like my I grew up in a gun free house because mm. my dad doesn't think that people should own guns, and so he doesn't. Right, but I did at one point because I I make my own choices. Now he if he the gun free guy wanted to stop me the gun owning guy. Oh, in his house he allowed you to have one. No, because oh, I, I, I moved out and Later. got several when I was here. Um, but growing up, like he was anti-gun, like did not like it when my mom got me the gun toys, the dark mm. guns and all that other fun stuff. Um, wasn't, wasn't prohibited in his house, right? But if he wanted, if he then later in life wanted to prevent me from obtaining those things, like a gun or a nuclear weapon, right? By what means would he be able to accomplish that, right? If, if, if I acquired the nuke mm-hmm. and you then all of a sudden try to oppress me by taking it away... Then I detonate the nuke, right? That's the situation you're trying to avoid. You That's end up scary. you end up creating right. right by your overbearance on trying to take it away from me. Most well, and likely, I, yeah, and I, I think that's a lot of what's happening in international relations, at least officially, is you know Russians don't think that Americans are uh, good enough to have these powers. Americans don't Generally think correct. Russians are good enough to have these powers. Generally correct. And now they're very upset with each other, and they're like, well, maybe I'll use mine against you. Well, maybe I'll use mine against you. And we're all sort of stuck in the crossfire saying, please don't. Or do it already so I don't have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> well, we're still on item number one. What's your item number two, Brad? Item number two is traffic offenses. Now, I know this is probably going to make your that's, eyes roll. Or make you quite a, my eyes uh, already rolled. Quite a big difference. Uh, you know, just... just or whatever the word is. It's a big This is the gap. former cop talking. Well, in a free market, I will definitely choose to go only on those roads that demand a basic competency of other drivers. Right. Well, having done a handful of death notifications, which are incredibly difficult to do, and uh, literally st- stood in brains on the highway more than once, um, I believe that most traffic offenses should be uh, allowed in a libertarian society. Um, uh, excuse me, most traffic laws should be allowed in a libertarian society, especially DWI, which I believe is so dangerous that it needs to be actively policed. But what do you and, think should happen um, to somebody who owns a road and just decides they don't want to enact those on, on their road? Not Not the person who messed up and hurt somebody while driving, but... You wouldn't ha- be able to go after all of them. It's it's this company's road. What do you think should happen to that company? Get their roads stolen well, from them? Well, I'm, co- I'm a cops, courts, and roads, and national defense libertarian. And I think that if there's a private road, someone should have the right to say, yeah, you can drink and drive on it all you want. Yeah. But, um, I would recommend uh, it. But I, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we I, I, I think it's a... I think it's a terrible idea, and um, I mean, I have I've made probably close to a hundred DWI arrests in eleven years, and um, it's seeing the. I mean, I've been in high speed pursuits with drunk drivers, 
and it's just so dangerous that I think it's something that needs to be prohibited on a public road or a private road. Whenever there's an accident between a drunk driver and a sober driver, sober driver usually dies, and ironically, drunk driver lives. Mm. So if you want to survive that accident, best thing to be is drunk. But the the thing there, about it there's is there's a weird logic to that. Well, hold on. I, I just uh, I just want to like I I get what you're saying about uh, really wanting to make sure that uh, people are have all their faculties while they're driving. But what I wonder is what makes you think that a single entity trying to police this is going to be more effective than competing roads and uh, competing methodologies for i mean i'm sure there's plenty of people who also want the the people driving with them to be completely sober at the time it's it's the most important question and it's what i always think anytime a minarchist says oh everything should be run by competent private competition, free markets, except these few things. It's like, well, why do you want these few things that you think are so important in the hands of the least competent, most corrupt, obviously just by the nature of the system um, entity? It just it doesn't make sense. If it's the thing you care the most about, you would want people who care more to be in charge of it, wouldn't you? I, I think that most people who owned a road would and be um, they would want their roads to be safe so they would be incentivized to have some kind of rules on their roads. Like maybe there is something that like a cop, more of a road security person that could even pull you over if you're driving like a crazy drunk person or whatever. Or crazy in general, right? Like you don't have to be, you can be drunk. Yeah. You can be drunk yeah, I don't and think maintain most, the lane, man. I don't think most accidents are from being drunk. Like there's like a thousand or 2,000 accidents every year in Texas. I mean, deaths by accidents. Yeah. And I can't see that being all... Because they listed on the highway. Well, I think that Texas is an unrealistic standard of human behavior, especially (laughs) when it comes to driving. Yeah, it's true. It's pretty bad there. Any answers to that, Brad? Well, uh, Well, we can bring you back. Um, You you have another um, thing on your list, so we can bring you back on the next break. Um, 603-283-6160 is the number to call. To get on the air with us like Brad did, 603-283-6160. Don't go anywhere. It's Free Talk Live. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases. But Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges including the decentralized Maya protocol, and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash Dash.org. (laughs) 
Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Beakless Mountaineer. And Richie Rich. And 603-283-6160 is the number you can call to get on the air with us. And talk about whatever's on your mind. It doesn't have to be on topic. It's just up to you. 603-283-6160. And we're going to go right back into the calls. We have Brad from uh, the Northeast, from New England, on the air with us. And Brad is an ex-cop. He got deprogrammed by listening to Free Talk Live, which I think is just absolutely great. We got one. (laughs) Some of our finest work. It's a success. Hopefully more than just one. That's where we aim. Do you know, uh, Brad, have you ever met any other cop that came to you and said that they stopped because they also listen to Free Talk Live? Oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, mu- I muted you. You're muted the whole time. So Start if you said over. anything, you ought to restart. Sorry. Oh, um, well, Sheriff David Hathaway. That's, oh. that's one. Really? Hey, From listening to Free Talk Live, he stopped being like a regular cop or something? Or a DEA oh, agent? Oh, no, no, no. I- I'm sorry, I misunderstood oh. you. Uh, I I don't I don't know anyone else who quit the uh, the profession because of Free Talk Live, but would I would cool. attribute my re- my relationship with Ian oh. um, towards 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 leaving. And I just wanted to say, Bonnie, really quick, that I think you're doing a fabulous job running the family business, <laughs> and um, I think I think your crew has come together, and you guys should be very proud. Oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Well, Brad was calling and in. So some... I have... Oh, go ahead. I have one more thing that's sure to make me many friends. Okay, he's uh, calling in telling oh, us... Moving into your territory, Rich. I don't make any friends. More of a minarchist than a libertarian. He believes in mostly free markets, but in a few areas he thinks that the government is necessary. He already listed um, driving regulations and... Nuclear uh, weapons. Ownership of nukes, so or just weapons of mass destruction. So what's the third thing, Brad? The third thing is sales taxes. Now, I think Boom. people should own their own property. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, I, th- I think that property taxes. It's the taxes price need of living away. in a civilized society, wretch. <laughs> no, we don't even I have it here. Prop- <laughs> yeah, we don't have it in New Hampshire. And look at what kind of society we have here. The think safest. of the bears. Think I- of the bears. Well, I think. The potholes. <laughs> in- I think income taxes and property taxes need to go away. I think people need to actually own their property because there's been so many times where a person works their whole life and then they they get older and then they can't afford the home that they've paid the mortgage on because the taxes are too high. Yeah. So I think I think property taxes and income taxes need to go away, but to fund a small libertarian state, I believe there should be a small sales tax um, reflective yeah. of the type of thing like gasoline tax yeah, I just don't think it's the only way that a state, even if it had to exist, it's just not the only way that they could possibly make money. Like, there's plenty of, like, cryptocurrency, harebrained ideas nobody was always bringing up on the show. Um, where Every solution about... requires a cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, with with nobody. Well, uh, a, a completely non-cryptocurrency way that, that, that some uh, local governments have started changing the way that they gather their resources. So they usually have like a fund that is set aside. But basically, if you use that fund to invest in good investments, then you can reap the reward of those investments. And it, you can reach a point where the rewards of your investments are what is funding the uh, the government. How rich people stay rich. 
Essentially, I survive yeah. off the interest. Yeah, essentially that. Uh, and and you can too once you're as rich as me. And that way you don't have to steal from the people to do it. Do you have anything else to share with us, Brad? I don't. I thank you very much for your time, and I appreciate the debate with good anarchists. Thank you. I appreciate Re- reconcile the those and too. join us in anarchy, Brad. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> all right. I, I just appreciate that uh, he is is all for allowing a uh, a free market in courts. Hmm, yeah. Um, there's a lot of good things that Brad believes. Thank you for the call again. Not enough. Yeah, I just I I think that those ones. I think that his mind could be changed on that over after a while because I just don't think that there's very good arguments for it. Yeah, the the two things that that always stick in my craw about X should be done by a violent monopoly is okay. Well, number one, we don't get good service that way. Right. Like it always becomes corrupt. They always stop doing their job and do a bunch of things that aren't their job. And number two, it's proven time and time again with every single thing that there is a, a charity for and a government uh, run essentially charity for that the private charity spends 80 percent of their resources on average, 75, 80 percent on the actual thing and only 20 percent of their resources on running the organization. And it's backwards with <laughs> with government where Terrible. they spend 80 percent of it on overhead and 20 percent on uh, accomplishing the thing. And I hate to bring it up now that he's already gone, but like with the drunk driving thing, right, that's already illegal. Virtually right. everywhere. That's a good point. And he was talking about, you know, standing in brains and how it causes harm. Like, it's already illegal, man. You don't have to make it more illegal. It's already there, and you've seen the results. Isn't that desecration of a corpse, uh, of a corpse standing in their brain? Yeah, I kind of wondered a little bit about that. Like, did he mean really standing in it or, like, accidentally? I, I don't know, but I didn't want to get into that on the air. It's very Halloween-y, though. Yeah. If I saw a brain, I would totally stand on it. <laughs> you stand would. Stand on it. I'm sure. Stand in it, whatever. I don't know. How many pieces is it? How how what of a brain are we talking? Yeah. Are we talking full puddle at this point? Oh God! Can I slip them on my shoes and go left lobe, right lobe, left lobe, right lobe? <laughs> the other thing about it is, the other day this guy was uh, walking around knocking on doors for a candidate in our neighborhood, and Joa, uh, he was outside of my house, so he started a conversation with him. I went out to take out my trash, and I kind of joined in the conversation. He was saying basically that he believes that cops are necessary, and he, I don't know how Joe started this conversation with them, but you know Joe is a Joe has a way. Yeah, Joe is. A, uh, you know that's his job is you know first amendment auditing, showing that what cops are like in real time, and filming it. Um, and so he got into this conversation with this guy who is really pro cop, and I asked him. I was like, so I didn't really expect his answer to be yes, but it's I could still make my point with it. I asked him, has there ever been a point in your life where a cop actually saved you from violence or being stolen from or anything like that? And he said, yeah, actually, when I was a teenager, some um, like older kids took my phone and I was telling them, like, give me my, back my phone. And they're like, what are you going to do about it? And they were acting like they were going to beat me up. And a cop actually showed up and said, give him back his phone, whatever. Wow. And so I told him, OK, well, that's great. That you have it's the one an time in the world that has happened. So let's well, say it's true. I will. I will add a second if I must. Um, I got hit by a car while riding a moped. Yep. And I got knocked out and I woke up in the in the crosswalk. Hmm. And luckily for me, quote unquote, luckily for me, um, there were undercover cops like on the scene doing undercover cop work. Hmm. So they, they were weren't quick. the ones that hit you, right? They were not the ones that hit me, but they were the ones that like m- protected me from getting hit by follow up cars. 
while you're passed out on the road. But I was on like, you know, out on the road. Did and, that car just and run? And called the ambulance. Yeah, they ran. Dang, so, so again, like because there was a cop Losers. already on the scene, they were able to track him down as he drug my moped down the street. But now, here was my the bad side of that is I woke up with a ticket Dang. in the hospital. Wow! Like after all that, like oh, here's all your stuff back, and right on top of all my property for like was, was crossing at the wrong time or something like that. Uh, no, it was uh, for driving without a license because wow, they asked for it while I was you know woozy <laughs> on the ground and I didn't provide anything because. Why would I? Well, so here's my thing with like both of those stories. Anytime a cop has helped someone in real life, and, and if some listeners out there like, a cop helped me, so yeah, yeah that's why I love cops, and, and they're not going to convince me. The thing is, is that impossible for a situation to happen where your your community has funded private security, and they also help you in that situation? Why is that so hard for, yeah. to understand? And when I said that to him, he always said was like, I'm from a black community in Miami and you you're you're like acting so privileged to act like we can afford private security. It's just like you're just living in this world where everything is so expensive because of the fact that you get so freaking taxed for one thing and for another thing you're a you can't like use your imagination enough to think of like it's not the same as like Right now, like Kim Kardashian walking around with bodyguards. Happy birthday, by the way. Yeah, it's Kim Kardashian's birthday, so I probably I thought of her. Happy, and also, <laughs> Happy birthday, Coconut. And I was going to say, it's also Coconut's birthday, so he's six now. Oh, my God, it's crazy. But, so, yeah, what is yeah, that? I mean, it's, it's an extremely regulated industry. Right. I mean, like, number one, it's very, very regulated. Number two, it's something that people already think is being done. Like, that is already covered by police. Therefore, we don't need it. And because of that, no one goes out and tries to get their own security uh, yeah. in general. Hmm. Whereas, yeah, right. if that wasn't being covered by the government, it would be covered privately. The other just thing, like everything else. We covered a story, me, Lori, and Nikki on Wednesday, that was like, Blowing all of our minds because I had never heard of something like this happening. It was in Minneapolis, uh, pre-George Floyd. They had a racket going where every business, even businesses that didn't want security, but the city deemed they had to have it, was being forced to hire only cops, for off-duty cops for security. Oh, yeah. And they were ru- running up the prices like... They were only like, I have to work for $160 an hour and they were being forced to hire them and they would like go off and answer cop calls or just like sit in their car on their phones with their girlfriends or whatever. Like, um, yeah, I think the prices are obviously unnaturally high for something like a person that stays around the uh, vicinity of a neighborhood you're in and um, like response to calls. It shouldn't be a hundred and sixty dollars an hour necessarily. It's some somewhere in Michigan, maybe Detroit. Uh, there's a free market alternative to the police. Yeah, I think it's Detroit. Okay, somebody brought that up. Okay, and they they like charge by the call, hmm. right? Like if they they're they'll they will respond to your emergency, but then you get the bill. Yeah. Right. So there's a disincentive to call them for random things that you don't need emergency. You know security response to that's a good idea but the agreement you you know it's a service you sign up for ahead of time so if you if you do need them right you pay whatever the fee that they're going to charge is and you get the and they'll you call they show up see it's just whatever and so it's free market you don't even need a great imagination it's already happening in some places and it's happening because the local police has like abandoned that area as far as security concerns go like you get no service from the cops which you're taxed for and then you have to su- su- subscribe to this service on top of that just to get the security you need. 
Well, yeah. and I mean, I I know that this is probably not something that everyone knows or cares about, but the inflation is the stealing that they do on top of all of the theft from the technology. So what should be happening, our technology is increased. We can do way more with computers than we used to be able to do. We used to have to do that a lot of that by hand. We can outsource a lot of this to different areas of the world. Like all of this is labor saving, but we don't get to reap any of the benefits. Now, if we had a zero inflation it would be just the theft of all of that technology increase. But instead, on top of that, they aim for at least 2% on top of what they're already stealing. So, yeah, you would actually be able to afford your private security, even at these inflated prices, if they weren't stealing all of that money from us. It seems like everything that there's a problem with that someone who's just now hearing about the ideas of not living under a violent monopoly, uh, they will always say, oh, but, you know, that can't happen because of this. It seems like behind every, oh, that, that we can't be free because of X, there is an underlying problem that's even deeper that it's yeah. the real problem. Like, for example, mm. my well, sister's boyfriend, he lives in um Oregon, and he is very understandably upset about all the crazy crime going on there, and he just blames, oh, drugs got legalized there. But there's just, I always tell him, I'm just like, the thing is, drugs are also legalized in, like, Spain, and they have pretty good crime rates, like, better crime rates than uh, the rest of Europe, in fact. And, uh, oh, wait, I'm thinking of uh, Portugal, but still. Close enough. And, um... Just other places like cities in different places in the United States, you don't hear about like there are cities in Michigan and Massachusetts and definitely Colorado. Those are the only ones I can think of off the top of my head for sure that have completely decriminalized all drugs. And you just don't hear about the same stuff you hear about in Portland. Why? Because they have specific other things that have been going on for way longer that make their state a place that people want to flock to and do crime. Like, for example, they have basically... Um, mild weather all year so they uh, bring in homeless people in general homeless people often have have a lot of just like mental problems because they go through a lot or their mental problems got them homeless in the first place and then they have like all these laws that give them a lot of welfare they have no reason to or incentive to do better in their life or you know reason to live at all so there's all these people with no reason to live and um, they have terrible gun laws and all these other things I probably don't even know about because I've never like really researched Oregon's laws, but I just know they're bad. So yeah, and you, then, have, you have all this additional danger and no ability to protect yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah. That makes for a very violent area. Well, let's, let's also acknowledge that poor areas tend to tend to be underserved by security services. Right. And a lot of these poor areas are government subsidized, right? Mm-hmm. There's your, your uh, subsidized housing, Section 8, welfare recipients. So it's it's also not fair to say that they would have money if not for the taxes because a lot of these areas are tax recipients, right, not tax spenders or well, however that works, right? Like their, their lifestyle is already getting subsidized. Uh, and that's the problem to me. To me, it's not as much about like, oh, they don't have enough money because they're getting taxed so much. Well, in the richer areas, they are getting taxed so much. But in the right. poor areas, their problem is getting money from the government. Right. Like, that's if they what don't, if they don't get money from up. the government, they're not going to be able to afford security well, so, services. So here's the thing. Like, these are poorer areas. They need extra help. 
Sure. Now, we, we, we just discussed a moment ago how when the government steps in to help, you get 20% of, of the resources that are thrown at that. Understood. And as you also get a ticket to, for being knocked out. Right. As, as compared to the 80% that you get with a private charity. Understood. So all of those people, A, that, that would help these people in these areas, A, they've had their money directly stolen by all of this inflation, all of the money printing, and B, they are disincentivized to help these areas because they're supposed to be cared for by the government. It is a good point to point out that even people who are getting their entire lives subsidized by the government, even they're still getting stolen from because of inflation. It's kind of a thing you right. forget about sometimes. But but you can if they're if they're if they're net negative as far as productivity in the world and in the marketplace, there's no way that they're going to be able to afford a protection services on top of that. Well, sure, it, and that and that's why charity exists is to help yeah. the people that need the help. But like right now, okay, these are dangerous areas that the police do not like to go because it makes their job more difficult to go there. So they and don't, they're not able they to, to arrest now, people well, for like having even like a pound of meth anymore. Let's so all, let's also let's, just don't let's also suggest these dangerous areas for a private security firm is going to cost more to serve because of the enhanced uh, enhanced. Um, fair enough fair enough but there are That's people why... who are really concerned with the people in these areas and they are not legally allowed to provide okay. protection services to these people that are underserved and that's also why i try to tell him i don't think the answer necessarily to oregon was right now well, like if every bad law went away at once it'd be one thing but to have all these terrible laws and then only take away the bad laws on drugs i think it was done on purpose it it makes it's the perfect storm of a place for there are already tons of meth heads like it's a huge place for meth and heroin and just like people using drugs in general and then it's also a huge place for homeless people they they have all these bad laws it, it was just like you didn't start at the foundation you of the problem you started with something that would yeah. it's good they have for the freedom. problems and then they decriminalize the drugs and they still have the problems right and in fact now people have something to point at oh it's just because the cops won't arrest people for meth anymore as if that was helping before like it's just more in the news now for one thing i mean not i'm not gonna say it only is because i'm not there but we do have some people on the line ricky in the commonwealth of pennsylvania you're on the phones with us, Ricky. What's on your mind? Thank you there, Miss Bonnie. Uh, Brother Ritzy, Peakless Mountaineer, good evening. Evening. What's Miss on your Bonnie? mind? Well, I just had to sit here. I'm wearing my battle flag corset, and I know sitting there, and I got a couple things to talk Wait, about. Wait, battle First, flag could... corset? No, I got my, I'm wearing my battle flag, of course. Oh, of course. Of course. Okay, go ahead. Now, no doubt. Now, here's the thing. Because one does not call into a radio station without wearing one's battle flag. No, absolutely. I just wanted to know if there was like a man version of corsets. There is. Oh. Uh, there is, no doubt. They're called, no, uh, what, uh, girl? Just to give sure. a little, little yeah, structure. That sounds right. A little structure here. I got a couple things to say about Brad. Then I'm going to reiterate about, uh, you know, my uh, police reform plan that Brother Ian liked back in July. I think you like that. And then mention about taxes and solving that. Now, what are you going to conclude with? <laughs> well, we're, huh? No, I got this. I got it. Hang on. A couple things about Brad. Now, first of all, to start off, just from the beginning, got the driver's syllabus. license ever since 1920, unconstitutional. So that's besides the point. 
Now, it's no secret uh, that I do want to blow the U.S. Constitution away. Now, that comes into play. Now, let's think about this drunk driving thing. Now, this car, last I looked, belonged to that individual, and they're supposed to be under control of their own car, not the law to them. Now, question. Now, this guy says he has the authority to not only follow them, but chase them. Now, my question is, how many people did he give in danger in the process of right. this? I always you think know, that. The thought, the thought of re- reckless endangerment come to mind. And potentially, if there's a victim, manslaughter. And that's point number one. Oh, but they'll okay. blame the drunkard who ran away. Yeah, they were making us chase them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, well, I've no, driven... No, no. Now, here's more. There's more. Now, also, now he says no, soft, he, <laughs> now, he says he's not brainwashed anymore. Well, I'm going to take that. Take a couple more points to that. Now, he also said about, you know, uh, taxes. Now, I'd already spoke to Miss Bonnie about this before. I'm going to reiterate this. Uh, see, I, I have canvassed this, and I know this will work here in the Commonwealth. Now, the way it works is very simple. You blow it all away, income tax. Uh, property tax, school tax, sales tax. Well, how do we pay for simple little things? Well, that's very easy. I know that'll work here. Our canvas is very simple. What we do is we put forth a memorandum, and we put forth maybe, say, 1% or 2% we choose. Okay, and we get the I number. I choose right. zero. Well, well, you can choose that. See, that's the best part of this if you live in Pennsylvania here, and I'm going to tell you how it works because it's voluntary. Right so now? It, well, no, after I blow it away, it will be because this is the <laughs> keep using that It'll term. Hey, I'm I, I'm all for making what is currently a tax no longer a tax by making it and, voluntary. And here's right. how it works. Here's how it works. It is voluntary now because people and I'll tell you what people here love to be part of things, especially their government. So they will be more than happy to pay for it in their community. Now, not everybody always got the money. And if you don't got it, you don't have to pay it. Now, you said last time. I got it. I still don't want to pay it. Wait a minute. Miss Bonnie said last time, what if you're a millionaire? Well, I know one thing here in the Commonwealth. There's no millionaire. Everybody's going to know about that millionaire not paying. It's not going to be any secret. Mm. He won't be a millionaire law. Rich. So let's move on. Now, here's all about police reform. Now, Brother Ian liked this when I said it the last time. I do have a solution for police reform. Now, this is based on the demographic here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's, that's a joke no. for, for the record. Can't say that when well, I'm no, on, Bonnie. <laughs> no, this is actually good. Now, Brother Ian liked it. No, I, now, I'm ready to hear it. It's fine. Okay. It's based for Pennsylvania. This probably won't work anywhere else. Now, Here's how you do police What a useless example. I'm do. Huh? <laughs> I said, what, what a useless example. You know when you interrupt to be asked to start over, right? No, no, it's real simple. A brother Ian liked it. I don't know if you're going to like it, Richie. Told you. Now, here's the thing. Uh, what you do is very simple. Uh, I'm looking to eliminate 80, possibly 90% of local cops, number one. I get 100 really and you got a re- deal. <laughs> well, we got to well, we got to reserve a, a small portion for places I don't even want to consider part of the Commonwealth, like Philly. Respectfully now, disagree. Go that, on. That being said, uh, what do we now do? Very simple. We keep the county sheriff. Yes, we do. Now, ain't no more U.S. marshals and all that. That's all gone. Okay, but we what we do is we add, need to add more deputies to the county sheriff. And Deputize now everyone. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Wait so, a minute, so the, wait no, a no, hold on, hold on. So that that was actually what I was thinking about, like with uh, the the cop that helped him not get bullied. It's like, well, if you just had everyone have the training and the same uh, a level playing field of expectation for your behavior, then anyone could just come up and make sure that those bullies don't bully. Uh, thank you for the call. So, um, well, we're going to bring him back when we come back. Uh, 603-283-6160. Don't go anywhere. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. The crimes of the state. The insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That's the, the number for you to call to get on the air with us, 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Peakless Mountaineer. And Richie Rich. And we have Ricky still on the line, so I'm going to go back to his call. In the last segment, no! <laughs> Ricky... Um, what, what was Ricky talking about in the last segment? He'll tell us again. Don't worry. Share. Oh, yeah. His plan for getting rid of taxes if he was able to blow the Constitution blow away. Blow them all away. Yeah, blow to it all blow them all If you put Ricky in charge, this is what you it get. It won't be me, but it will be we. I'll just be the vessel there, Miss Bonnie. Now, uh, back to police reform. Now, this nice Brad, he said he's a libertarian. I'm a Confederate Democrat and a Jeffersonian. I'm so much closer to a libertarian than this status, I promise you. You can just but say racist and skip all that lawn speak. No doubt. All right, Mr. Ritchie. I, you're, you're a jackass, but you're a lovable jackass. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, nonetheless, police reform. Now, now, except for the Pennsylvania troopers, I'm keeping them. Now, they're going to be reserved for what they're good at. What they did Dunkin 200 Donuts. years ago, an elite <laughs> force, an elite force, not going out there for arguments and that, okay? Uh, and, and by the way, New Jersey, New Hampshire, these are just state cops. The only troopers are Pennsylvania troopers. But nonetheless. I thought they're state troopers co- here. I'll take the super troopers in one, right? Local, first of all, 90% local cops gone. Now, what that, nobody get paid, by the way, but this is, this is free. How are you okay, going to keep the other 10%? How are you going to make them continue doing things for you? You think cops oh, should become the slaves? Joy I, will of te- bullying. I will tell you, Miss Bonnie. <laughs> now, the sheriff, the sheriff, uh, the county sheriff's still there. Sheriff deputies, uh, as far as what they can do, is elevated. They just serve papers now. But see, what we're going to do is every town has something they've forgotten. And this is something chosen by the people called a marshal. And that marshal going to have deputies. He don't get paid either. He got a real job. He got a life. 
You know, okay. he lived right there, and he know the community. I and just, I got to put you on pause because I got to say, even if uh, Ricky came out with some kind of brand new plan no one's ever thought of before that was super great and it sounded like a really good idea, if you're leaving this system intact at all, it's going to grow like in a few years when Ricky from the Commonwealth dies and he's no longer the vessel. Uh, vessel. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, just like the first caller, I think that all of these people who think that you can have a minarchist state, number one, you are not paying attention. Hmm. America was the ideal experiment. Like, you literally right. cannot imagine a better circumstance, like, between allies to the north and south, oceans to the east and west. You don't have to be bothered by anyone it was the best possible circumstance. You had these uh, moral people who hated uh, overreach of authority, and none of it worked. And then as we, soon as you got all that, you got the Whiskey Rebellion. Yeah. Yeah, it ruined soon, it all. right away. Yeah, well, immediately we immediately. moved into tyranny, and at this point we've become the most powerful empire on the earth because that's what happens when you have a minarchy. Who would have thought back grows. then that we would be you know, sending much money to a place called Israel in the future that's this little place in the Middle East that no no one living there would even know what it is. I guess it'd be like Jordan or something back then. And um, they, you know, sending money and bombs for them to bomb another place in the Middle East with this this whole plan that it was going to be like, we don't, you know, bother with anyone but ourselves. Um, it's grown to crazy extremes, like more, more bad things than just that. Thank you for the call, uh, Ricky. Um, I just don't really see a good plan for making, you know, see that this sheriff is just going to do his job because we're, we're, our people will vote for the best sheriff and then... But Ian would have liked it. I don't know if I can Apparently. believe that, but... Well, we, see, we keep the 10% because when they show up to do things, they get to steal all your money. And that's how they get paid. That's how they get paid. Oh, well, they get to plunder wherever they go. That way everyone learns. Don't call the cops. We have another caller on the line. We have Sarah in New Mexico. Sarah, what's on your mind? Calling a little early. Oh, I don't have her muted. Sarah, I don't know if you hear us. Um, I'll just put her on. Oh, uh, yes. I'll just put her on. Um, uh, I was walking down the street in New Mexico and this car ran really fast by me. Oh, my gosh. Yes. They need to put scary. up the red lights. Yep, they have those. Okay. They have red lights there. They just don't listen to them, I guess. Um, I just think that yeah. um, we could just get a lot more tickets, and then there would be less of these crazy drivers. Yep, that's basically Sarah. Thank call. You, Sarah. I guess we don't need to answer her. <laughs> <laughs> I think we on. should just go back to the article about Javier Malay, the potential next president of Argentina. Not just potential next president. Uh, chainsaw-wielding libertarian. <laughs> yeah. Let's be clear about this. Chainsaw-wielding libertarian. Libertarian who could become Argentina's next president. So I guess And looking more important. likely by the day, somehow. Every time I look at him, I just... I want to cut oh, his hair. Speaking of his hair and his looks, <laughs> uh, I finally found the guy who he's uh, imitating with the with like the sideburns and everything. It's uh, Jose de San Martin, hmm. uh, known as the Liberator in Argentinian history. Oh, oh. 
And, and it, has he like said that, or yes. is it just kind of yeah. obvious? Oh wow! Yeah, I just I so couldn't he's remember. He's the second what... coming of the liberator. Yeah, exactly. Okay. He's right. the second coming of the liberator. What a cool that's name. why the wacky sideburns and the crazy. Yeah, that's what I was looking at right now. I was like, his sideburns look like they have like split ends, and I've never really seen that before. Oh, I thought you were going to go somewhere else. The sideburns look like they have a life of their own. Yeah, that too. Well, which the is whole what head I think does. of Trump's hair. I think looks. that when he sleeps, it leaves and has a life of its own. It returns as a symbiotic entity. One time I saw just this like dead dry grass on the side of the road that looked more like Trump's hair than anything I've ever seen. I took a picture. It was so funny. Um, and that was in New Hampshire somewhere when I was knocking on doors. What if it came out in the mugshot that it was actually a toupee this whole time? Trump's? No, I think, yeah, I I think, think it's it legitimately his hair. He just, instead of a comb over, it's like okay. a comb forward. Okay. But he has like the very best money can buy, like tying yeah. the comb forward into the like five hairs that he still has in the front. And he probably right. gets, uh, you know, plugs, as that's what they call it. You know, they they can add more hair. Those usually look pretty obvious when hmm. they first get them. It's true. Well, right. we we know somebody else who has a comb up, like you're saying. Yeah, the pompadour comb over. Mark from Mark from there. He just like has his hair combed directly up. I don't know if it just sticks up like that. I'm always looking at it when he's talking. It's like his hair sticks up like three inches off the top of his head and then okay. kind of falls over. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The most innovative Trump way I've the same thing. ever seen of dealing with that was like, okay, so imagine like a mohawk, but it's in a U shape. There's nothing right. wrong so, with Mark's hair because of it. It just kind of makes me laugh. It has a mind of its own looking, you know, like it looks like somebody sat there with a blow dryer and purposely forced it to do that. But it looks like it's just natural. Teased it up there. Yeah. Aquanet. Literally. Get that 80s wave going. Right. Well, let's get into this article from CBC. I think CBC Canada. It's cbc.ca. Uh, chain wheel- saw welding libertarian could become Argentina's next president. Argentina may be about to leap into the political unknown. The South American country, the region's number two economy after Brazil, will vote in presidential elections on Sunday with a radical outsider, libertarian Javier Malay, in poll position to win, though he will likely face a second round runoff. The wild-haired, chainsaw-wielding economist, and of course they don't explain that, Oh, I see. They do explain it later. Um, Keep reading, buddy. All right. <laughs> now I'm excited. <laughs> Who has risen from relative obscurity over the last year, came top in an August open primary, and that means they voted for all all candidates, and he got the most votes out of all of them instead of just his own party. Should all have the parties there. Were. Gave it to him. Yeah. Here are the keys to the kingdom, Mr. Malay. Right. Let's I, see I what think your libertarian win. can do. Just from, I don't know, I just think he'll win. That would just be my guess. I don't have actual I hope he reason. does. Me too. It would be yep. fun to see him. Me three. Entertainment for anything else. I mean, right. honestly, everyone should hope that he wins at least for entertainment right. value. It says he came up on top in an August open primary and leads all opinion polls ahead of econo- economy minister Sergio Massa and conservative Patricia Bullrich. Malay, 52, is a poster child of Argentine voters' anger at inflation that may hit 200% this year, (laughs) rising poverty levels, and a sliding peso currency that erases the real-world value of people's salaries and savings. Daily. If it's 200% annually, that's a daily problem. Yeah. It's like, don't go to work. Like, why would you? 
It says many blame the political elite and have latched on to Malay's burn it all down rhetoric. He has used the chainsaw throughout his campaign to symbolize how he will slash government spending and waste. There you go. Oh. That's pretty great. All right. Awesome. I, I, oh, I, okay. There's immediately a picture that's showing me an example. It's pretty funny. He looks scary. Um, he said, I'm not interested in politics, but Malay, oh, wait, not him. Um, Sebastian Pizzo, 33, a restaurant employee in Buenos Aires, says, I'm not interested in politics, but Malay is a clean slate. He may be crazy, but at least he says what he thinks. The vote marks a major crossroads for Argentina, one of the world's top grains exporters, the number four producer of electric battery metal lithium, and a growing shale oil and gas play that has been luring investment and interest from Asia to Europe. So I'd like to just point out what a sneaky little technique that is. Hmm. Is like, okay, so I'm sure they asked a whole lot of people what they thought about this guy. And this was the soundbite that they're like, okay, this is what we want to think uh, what we want people to think, He's crazy. other people think about him. Hmm. It's like, oh, well, we want you to think that, well, I don't care if he's crazy. He's honest. Hmm. So they say, this guy says this, as if that was representative of something, which it may or may not be. So you find that in a lot of publications where they want to just manipulate the way people see the event. I mean, well, I'll take it anyway. If they have that much exports and natural resources and they're still screwing up the currency. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Then something needs to change because you can't you can't be that good, that valuable on the world stage and still be poor without well, um, you can. Have you seen Venezuela? I got like, it. They have oil and not a little bit. But he's saying without sucking, without oh, like yeah, doing yeah. a terrible job and yeah. needing to be slashed right. up. Or, like like Venez- Venezuela is a good example, too. That's not a Venezuelan like reserve problem. Right. right. That's a political problem that they're mismanaging the natural resources of the country. Right. Um, we do have a caller in line. Unscreened caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Okay, I just had a question that has nothing to do with what you guys are talking about. That's fine. What, what's your name? Okay. My name's Phil. Okay. What's on your mind, Phil? Okay, my question is, how, okay, I have, I have a, uh, a question here. Um, what, what is a good way I can convince the, the fiancé to move up to New Hampshire I got her out of New York City. I got her to Massachusetts. Whoa. But getting, but it's just that little bit more north, and we'll be good. Wait, first I got to say, I thought you said Beyonce. And second of all, then I realized you said fiance. And um, your question is, you're asking. How do we convince Beyonce to come right. up to New England? I was like, wait, jealous who got by her dating to do what? Native. There you go. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I, I don't think that's a good idea to make her jealous by dating a native in New Hampshire. <laughs> But yeah, I I I don't know enough about her. Like, give me give me a little bit about her. You know, like, what does she like to do? What are her Um, interests? Let's see. She she likes to do stuff for the Libertarian Party, but we have that here. We have that here. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't. She thinks that a lot of the Libertarians there suck, and I don't know. She has like an issue with like some people up there. Well, a lot do suck, definitely. Um, Which libertarians well, does she like? Like the New York libertarians? Well, yeah, well, she yeah, pretty well. She was the chair of a party there. Oh, okay. Um, so she likes being yeah. the big fish in the small pond. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Um, I don't know. Uh, this is something you'd have to like talk over with her, but maybe you could convince her. Just because they're like a small, small group of libertarians 
that uh, suck in the Libertarian New Hampshire party. Um, and and Ricky, Richie Rich and Lee might disagree with me on that. Um, but it, it doesn't really give you an excuse. Like, what, if you actually care about these ideas, shouldn't you want to come to the place that has the biggest chance and that you have more chance of influencing it for good? I mean, I am not a not Libertarian Party be believer. Yeah. So my, my question to you is, what does she really value and care about? Um, I don't know. She she has, she You're grew her fiance up in and you Francisco. don't know what she cares about? Come on. Well, I do. I, I do. I mean, she. I mean, she wants to live in the big city, mm. and uh, and I grew up in New Hampshire, so it's kind of my spot. I actually moved to Hawaii to move to New York City uh, on a whim to try to make this work, and it kind of did. But let yeah. her commute down to Boston, right? Just like yeah. barely cross the border and just let her have fun. That's in Boston. such a good point. Like I, it's right there. Like living in cities, and I also sometimes get a little bit bored and keen but if i really was that bored i could always go to like boston and then i find myself thinking yeah i don't want to do that the food's I, I mean, better the events are better the traffic is much worse yeah i mean like i love new hampshire like the thing is like we go up to new hampshire we have a good time and like i'm like and then she's like nah i don't want to live in nashua and it's just, I, I'm trying. Nashville's like the what safest city in the world right now. Yeah, I, I heard that. This is the safest city in the world. That really shocked oh, there's, me. There's no way she would move to Keene. Yeah, it's um, more out in the middle of the way. If she's a, if she's a yeah, but, statist libertarian and probably doesn't want to be in Keene anyway. Well, so, so my thought. Well, she, she, works, she works for John Stossel, so there you go. Yeesh. Wow. Huh. Would she not be able to keep the job if she moved, or is she able to do it remote? Um, well, I think she's quitting, so... Oh. Um, you should parlay that into moving John Stossel to New Hampshire. Hey, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. My, well, my... The the most obvious route, I would think, to getting her eventually into New Hampshire is children. Oh, I really hope she doesn't hear this. So, <laughs> I, I think that generally when women have children... Uh, some of the things that change about their priorities, one, they're less concerned with having a, a really interesting, exciting social life in the city because they have a life that has, you know, meaning and purpose and really demands their attention and more about rewards safety. them for it. Uh, right. knock right. her up. Are you guys and, intending to have children, Phil? Well, I want to. Like, I mean, but I mean like, so she doesn't want to is what you're saying. Well, she didn't want to, but now she's she's game. So I don't know. It's just kind of weird. like I. Well, you guys are getting married and everything, but I just don't really know what to say because typically I like Make you it know up, Bonnie. I like to tell people that I, I like to give people advice who like you know if they're just trying to go after someone and um, they just don't have really the confidence to do it. I like to convince them to do that, but I don't really like to convince people to you know force something that's not working to stick together if i'm just being 100 percent honest like you've mentioned so many things that sound like you guys just don't click like you don't want to live in a place she wants to live in you have to convince her to want to have kids if she's only wanting to oh, have no. kids to stay with you oh no 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 we, we we talked about it she just she tries to be she's kind she tries to be edgy and like especially like i don't know and like she's had all these like weirdo libertarian dudes scheme on her so hmm, i'm sure yeah. there's a lot of us <laughs> well yeah, she's, yeah. it's and, really hard and, uh, yeah i can't really help you yeah. much more because basically like i totally understand i get really bored even in keen sometimes and keen is in my opinion 
the only place I would want to live in in New Hampshire. But I, I also like I came from a large city, but not New York City large. I wouldn't want to live in a New York City place. I lived in San Antonio. Oh, if you bring her around the libertarian chicks around here, she's going to be polyamorous pretty soon. And then it's a mm-hmm. whole nother thing to worry about. No, that's not going to happen. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, but, yeah, like, I mean, like, I want to start, you know, like, I, I liked, I've met a few people up there. I've been to the clubhouse and see on the seacoast, wherever, oh. like, wherever, Dover or whatever. And uh, I don't know. I like, I want to be more involved. I think that's the big thing. But I just, she has like this, we are the, the Mises people suck. I don't know. There's there's the whole infighting thing. There's not even a Mises really caucus pay. in New Hampshire. That's what's so confusing. Like the Mises caucus <laughs> doesn't like New Hampshire and the New Hampshire party seems to not get along with them. But for some reason, we keep getting called that. I mean, the New Hampshire people yeah, keep getting called that. I'm not even a part Mises of it. There's people up there. There's a lot of but Mises I, I, people I, up here. That's not wrong. They may not all be in Keene. But they wear yeah. the polos. Like and you, you can identify an idea, right? I thought there was no, no, no. Mises caucus. There Mises might not caucus be a caucus, but there, there are libertarians in New Hampshire, maybe just Manchester, uh, mm. that wear the Mises caucus t- uh, polo shirts. Mm. Like, again, they're easily identifiable. See, I, I really thank you for the call, Phil. I just think I can't really help anymore because I have such different different priorities than his fiance. It's like I would like not want to live in manchester where all of the most libertarian party stuff is going on so and and then like she wants to live in a really big city well then you can't live in new hampshire if that's what you actually really really want but you could live in nashua which is the safest uh, city apparently in the world right now and then drive to boston which i've never been to boston every time i've ever had a you're not missing out reason to it just doesn't sound that appealing to me but i don't want to say like it sucks when i've never been there or anything but that's what i hear from everyone everybody um and i also like get a little scared of like how bad the driving would be i definitely don't want to go there half the year because there's ice everywhere on top of bad driving and then um the other thing is that my husband was like locked up in Keene, new hampshire for like two and a half years so i just haven't been there and i can't really give him better advice because of those situations yeah I move to Boston, and then you can commute up to New Hampshire, do the New Hampshire things. Yeah, I, they could do that. I wish I knew what it was that was bonding them. Right, exactly. That's what I was kind of trying to imply to him. That it didn't sound like they had a lot in common. But I'm sure sounds like it's her. It's harder for them to. It's, it's probably hard to just explain in a quick radio station like why you guys work, and um, they they might work out or you know work without Look, here, here, us being able to understand from from the experience of a single guy. Right, like I have, mm. I have been set in my convictions. Your uh, relationship status is such a question mark to me. <laughs> well, no, but here, for from my personal experience, either way, right, he like, has. I just didn't know he's sing- single. Now, do you mean a single, as in unattached guy, or did you mean an individual human being? Or Both. Is- oh, but, but, but uh, let me let me get to the point, and then you can discuss amongst yourself. Right, like I've been so set in my convictions that I have declared to my mate at the time, right, that this is what I'm going to do. You can come with me or not, Mm. right? And my high school sweetheart moved from Hawaii to Spokane, Washington, while I was going to college, right, to be with me. Uh, My ex, you know, we moved from Hawaii to New Hampshire, Right, just like I'm going. You, you, you like the come. furthest you could possibly get without going to Maine, I guess. Yeah, almost the furthest you with, can go. 
And then when that broke off, like I imported another one from Hawaii hmm. to come here as well. So like I'm, this is where I am. If you want to be with me, yeah. this is where you have to be. You just gotta learn to get that pool and then move and to I New will Hampshire. And find someone who will. Yeah, and, and you'll, confidence you'll pull is someone. sexy. I mean, that's just universal truth. 603-283-6160. You can always call him for relationship advice from me. Hopefully, I'll do better next time. 603-283-6160. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church... You are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. It's Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Beakless Mountaineer. And Richie Rich. And you can call that number to bring up whatever is on your mind. It's 603-283-6160. Just like the last caller, Phil, we were talking about Javier Malay, but he called in for relationship advice. That's totally fine. That's what the um, call-in line is for, for you to bring up Anything that's on your mind, even if it's not on topic. In fact, that kind of makes the show more fun to me. But I also want to hear what you have to say about this article about Javier Malay. The chainsaw-wielding libertarian. Thank you. I was just trying to, like, finish swallowing because I just, like, tried to eat a whole bunch of... They didn't need to know, Bonnie. ...cereal right before Where's your stagecraft? I don't know. Captain always gets mad at me when I explain things. Spitters or quitters? Oh, my God. (laughs) Anyways, cereal, if you didn't hear what I said. So, we're talking about All Javier Malay. milky white liquid in a bowl. And cereal floating in it. Okay. Anyways, um, we're Guys, talking I'm about cereal. this CBC Canada, I think, article about Javier Malay, the chainsaw-wielding libertarian that could become Argentina's next president. And the, and the election is Sunday. They, they said something about there may be a runoff afterwards but that's why i wanted to bring this in if he wins there will be a runoff right guaranteed what exactly does that mean uh they don't they didn't have enough of a majority vote to declare him to win so everyone gets to be in the next one or just like the last two it's the last last two two, yeah Yeah. or that's come on guys make the right choice that we want you to make we can't have another hitler come like we Hmm. destroyed the economy as soon as you started going for this guy like we really put the screws to it make the right choice so that we can put things back in our power 
or just like it's gonna be so close if it's just two people it's so much easier probably for them to just pick a winner and you know make it fake it i really you know this is a long shot theory and i don't care how wrong it is um but i really think that fundamentally mentally uh that's why the two-party system is a thing is because then you know that there's like a majority winner like it has to have more than 50 percent Right, like Hitler came along and won at like thirty three percent or whatever, but oh, that was yeah. that was enough, right? And you can't have that again. So two parties, you're guaranteed a majority winner. Um, and I think that's that's subconsciously what people are thinking. So if Javier Malay, but he only gets like forty percent of the vote, right? Well, that's the majority you win, but that's not the full majority, right? That's not a majority victory. It's just the winning total. It's just funny because with him during. Trump running, okay, I'm not an Argentinian, so I'm not there, but, um, or an Argentine, is that what you say? I don't know. Uh, but, so I'm not there, but the thing that I find funny about it is even in these hit piece articles, I don't see a lot of normal people complaining about him, just the newspaper themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't know, is he like really hated like Trump? Like, have they polarized the country to where half the country oh, yeah. like, hate well, him? Oh, yeah. I mean, hmm. so uh, the biggest problem that the elite had with Trump is that he does not start enough wars for them to pay all their buddies. I mean, he starts a few, but not nearly enough. Oh, no, I meant Malay. Oh, yeah. Well, so it's the same issue. Oh. He is also getting in the way of them bribing all of their uh, powerful friends. So every time he comes up, it's like, okay, well, they like him. We better make things worse on people. There's there's this lyric from a song that I didn't really understand when I had heard it, but I can see it playing now. Uh, I mean... I don't agree with how they use the word democracy, but and even if democracy broke out, they would just make the economy scream until we vote responsibly. Hmm. Speaking of ignorant masses, we have Sarah in New Mexico on. Sarah, what's on your mind? Um, yeah, I that, um, about the ignorant masses. You're right. I was doing, I was beating myself up pretty much. I'm getting the boat out. I mean, all last week running around and talking to people about uh, about our city election. And this whole homeless family is like the ignorant masses. Did you know we're voting for the bond issue of the homeless shelter, low-income housing, community centers. We have senior centers, libraries, parks, and recreation. Do you vote? And you, they both ran off. Like we don't vote. We don't vote. We don't. We don't be. They're running around homeless with two kids. Wow. It's almost like they have more important things to worry about. Yeah, I don't see how voting is going to help their situation. Vote yeah, harder, but, homeless dude. Wait a minute. Voting. Yeah, we're it, voting. You're voting. It's the ballot is asking money for homeless shelter, money for parks. They were at a park. They hang out at the libraries. They have a community centers, senior centers. They're asking to build um, more money for um, buses, transportation. I'm sure they don't have a car. So they're asking. You want for, them to get a car, um, Sarah? No, they could be homeless with a car, but obviously. Yeah, but do you want them to, to be a- another driver? Here's the thing. How come they, that, doesn't it? interest them that it pertains to their life they're not registered they don't care to vote only the women well, the women vote and women was kind of listening to me as i think about it for some reason yeah, women like mistake. to vote they, <laughs> they, I, 
So that she was like, hmm, I don't think she's registered, but she was almost kind of, she was kind of a little bit interested. The guy could care less. So the, talking about the ignorant masses, that is the ignorant masses. They, is that seem, you they, they, they don't seem very ignorant to me at all in the sense that they realize that their vote doesn't really change things in their world. Right. And the the statistical analysis has borne this out, that regardless of whether a policy is popular or unpopular among the average people, there's a 30% chance of it passing. What matters is if a policy is popular among lobbies and especially among rich financial lobbies. Hmm. Is that what you actually called in for, though, Sarah? Well, you know what? I called in because I've been getting the vote out and talk about people being disoriented. I mean, they're like, what election? Election for what? They're like, well, city council two, four, and six, and an even number. Most of them people, they never knew the difference between a school board and a city councilor. They got all confused. Many what do you think they're thinking voted. about they all day? Like, you know, their own lives and trying to get by and kind of make money. groceries. Well, you know what? I think it's people that have a job, that go to school, that work. I mean, there's like you said, their minds are so preoccupied. They don't have. They don't even watch the news. Well, most people don't even watch the news. They don't That's do good. any, and then therefore they miss it. They don't want to hear the news, bad things, and though they miss all of this, I mean, talk well, about but Sarah. Did you know that the news lies to you? Oh, I know that. I know that. Well, then why is it a good thing that they that they should watch the news? Well, the thing is, but then you miss all of the opportunities for you to have a say-so. You miss everything. And, and then if you don't get the news on your media, I mean, you can get the news when you want to on the computer, you miss everything. I know they lie because, see, the, okay, at 6, 6.05 in the morning, they'll tell you we're voting for the city councilors, the four councilors, okay? And that same guy, Bob Clark, at 9.30 will say, Oh, we're voting for the school board. Nobody comes out and votes for that. Because uh, at 6 o'clock, everybody's asleep. He'll tell you what we're voting for. But when, when everybody's up at 9.30, oh, we're voting for school board. Oh, why bother to vote? Oh, yeah, they they lie all the time. So the propaganda machine works. Okay, thank you for the call, Sarah. I just, I don't know, I can't really follow. I, I kind of zoned out there a little bit. I just can't follow a person complaining about school board voting. It's... It like I this I understand these people not caring, Sarah. That, that's all I really have to say about it. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any consistency or congruence with their ideas. Hmm. I know they lie to me, but people should still watch it. Yeah. Well, that well, doesn't make any sense. They tell the truth when no one's paying attention is also what she was suggesting, right? The early morning news before people wake up, they tell you what's really going on, and then when people are awake to watch the news, and then they lay on the propaganda. Right. So if you really want to pay attention, you have to be up at 6.05 in the morning hmm. to get the real news of what's going on and miss out on the propaganda later. I would like to test this theory. I mean, talk to Bob Clark and was Albuquerque. But they, I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not a new strategy either. Right? Like bad financial news hits like end of day on Friday. Hmm. Right? And then you've got to sit on it over the weekend. The market's reopened Monday and everyone's forgotten about it. Hmm. Right, like bad news always hits Friday night when it's too late to you know to be in the regular press. Hmm. That's true. Well, getting back to the chainsaw wielding libertarian Javier Malay, um, he did win the um, 
open primary where every party runs at once and he got the most votes there. It still wasn't a um, majority. It was like 30% or something like that. But that's with like tons of candidates running Mm -hmm. all at once. Um, But this Sunday is going to be the real election or like the final election unless a runoff occurs um, this Sunday. And it says the vote marks a major crossroads for Argentina, one of the world's top grains exporters. And oh, I already read this. So like they have a lot of a lot of resources. Resources going for them. Um, and that's an important thing to note. And if only the government would get out of the way and let those exporters handle their business. Right. Absolutely right. I mean, there shouldn't be any of, excuse for them to be like doing so badly. Yeah, there's plenty of uh, plenty of countries with fewer resources than Argentina has that are doing better because they don't terribly mismanage quite that awfully. It says the country is also the largest by far debtor to the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, with an outstanding $44 billion U.S. loan program, as well as a huge inter- or as well as huge international debts with bondholders in a large currency swap line with China. Wake me up when that hits the trillions. Well, you, <laughs> and you can bet that if he does manage to actually win this, even after the runoff election that they call, that the the World Bank will say, "Oh, you are too big of a risk. We can no longer loan you money under any circumstances." Is that why they can't switch to the dollar? I mean, it'll definitely make it harder and it'll make things more difficult for him. But it's the same nonsense that they pulled when El Salvador decided to back Bitcoin. Like all of a sudden, the Bank of International Settlement and the World Bank, which are, you know, twin agencies, are putting out all of these things about what huge risks they are and saying, you should really stop this and go back on this policy and saying, well, we won't lend you anything and none of you should either. And you can bet that's a bad thing. I mean. He laughed about it, um, the president of El Salvador, and he said like something kind of edgy when it happened on okay. Twitter. Um, and I they mean, the World Bank going like, we're not going to loan you any money to a country already forty-four billion in debt, right? I mean, yeah. are they? Are, does well, that mean no, they're going to have to work well, their way the out thing. of it? Well, I mean, that's the thing. If they keep the status quo, they'll have no problem loaning the money. Okay. If you keep this, you know, two hundred percent annual inflation, no problem loaning you money removing the inflation because you're not using your own money anymore oh now you're risky now you're doing something weird what i i still fail to understand the downside to that it just makes the transition more difficult okay like i do do you i mean again do you want do you want to be beholden to the world bank and being in debt to them well do you want to figure out how to like what you want is maximize your revenue what you want is companies that have a high credit rating so that they can get uh, lower payments on their insurance. And plus, if like things initially go bad whenever they're doing these little things that they can do the IMF, um, the people are going to blame Malay. You know, if, if he gets he was just elected. Yeah, yeah. And one, one I mean, thing I, guess I remember that- uh, Naib Bukele tweeting out is how like, um, hey, they said we were going to default on all of these loans, and when we didn't, no one said anything. Hmm, yeah, I remember yeah. that too. Yeah. Um, it says Malay has criticized China, pledged to, quote, burn down the central bank, privatize public sector. He's, he talks like Richie or Ricky, I meant to say, um, talking about whatever he said, chop burn down the U- U.S. Blow them all away. Yeah, blow them all away. Wow. Um, he, okay, so he pledged to burn down the central bank, 
privatize public sector entities, and switch to the U.S. dollar. He is an anti-abortion and anti-feminist. They probably, you know, put in that in a weird sounding way. Like, I don't know. Everybody hears the word. Anti- he's against women. It sounds like, you know, he's anti, you know, regular equality between the races, even though we know that the word feminist doesn't just mean that anymore. And um, they're just trying to make him sound as bad as possible. Mm-hmm. He's the candidate to beat, but the election remains a three-way race with polls having proven unreliable for the August primary, failing to spot Malay's sharp ascent. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't spot it. It wasn't that they just lied about it over and over again. Couldn't be that. Now, that's something they did with Ron Paul. Right. Mm-hmm. right. First, yeah. second, Fourth, fifth, sixth. We don't know who's in third, but it's definitely <laughs> right. not Ron Paul. Right. Wow, yeah. Right. Yeah, Crazy and, stuff like that. Yeah, and the same thing happened with uh, uh, Trump and Clinton. I mean, that's a big part of why it came out of just out of nowhere for a lot of people is yeah. that, yeah, a lot of the opinion polls were just straight lying about what was happening. In order to move public opinion in that direction. Right. The truth is that all scenarios are possible, said Marielle Fornoni, Director at Consultancy Management and FIT, whatever that means. Pollsters generally agree most likely result, uh, the most likely result is that Malay comes first but faces a second round head-to-head with Massa on November 19th. A candidate needs 45% of the vote or 40% with a 10-point lead over second place to win outright on Sunday. So to not have a... Runoff, he needs that. Yeah, that's very convenient for the status quo. Yep, like I'm saying. Okay, well, we're going to run you against two candidates. You won? Okay, well, now we're going to run you against one candidate. And all you people that voted for those two better vote for the other one. Right. Mm-hmm. Not Malay. That's a good point. Exactly. Yep. It says, political analyst Carlos Farah said, Malay's rise appeared to mark the end of the domination of the country's two main political factions the left-leaning peronists uh, i'm not sure if i'm saying that right or what it means currently in power and the main conservative opposition bloc which doesn't have a name i guess we may be at the end of one historical cycle and at the beginning of the next he said sweet let's hope argentines so that answers my question from earlier for some reason i thought argentinian was a word it might be so Argentines will start voting at 8 a.m. local time on Sunday with first results expected at 9 p.m. local time. I wonder if Argentinex is a thing down there. Who's on tomorrow night? Because they might be able to get those results live mm. during the broadcast. Right? Captain will be back. Okay. Um, Captain, Nikki, and Steve, I think. All right. I forgot All right. it's not you. Not used to you not being on Sundays anymore. Sorry. Um. We are tired now. We wake up angry. We can't feed our children the daily bread and milk they ask for, said 57-year-old homemaker Mariel Segovia in Tapiales near Buenos Aires. It's just fun to say like that. I could say Aries and be white, but it's just fun to say like that. Ares. We don't know where the money is going to come from. Bullrich backers, including um, business leaders, cite her moderate views and stability. Well, others say the oh yeah, you just want somebody who's going to be the status quo during two hundred percent inflation and the yeah. country going to crap. Yeah, Excellent we're choice. just doing fine, just right. just just great. I mean, we can't feed our children, but we should keep that that way. 
while others say the country should go with Massa and the Peronists to safeguard the subsidies that have kept utilities and transport costs low. Subsidies from who? Yeah, and apparently it's not really doing much, is it? I am retired and I have grandchildren and children at the public university. Massa is the only one who defends the values of the Argentine people, says retiree Adriana Shedfin, 63. Uh, I guess this is the first article I've ever read where there are people like saying bad stuff about him. Well, I, I guess they're saying good stuff about the other ones, but... Mabel Baez, 69, said she would vote for Bullrich as a strong female candidate who has pushed a law and order platform that harks back to her time as security minister. Oh. She's going to defend us, Baez said. The iron fist. And it literally has a picture of um, candidate Bullrich with her fist up in the air. Arrest law my and case. Order. You can have your bread when you are in jail. Yeah. The election will likely split the vote. Between the top three runners with a further two with a further two candidates polling at under five percent that will impact the makeup of Congress, which is being partially renewed and will likely end up fragmented. No coalition is expected to have a majority in either chamber, forcing the next president to negotiate across political divides or just burn it down. Yeah. Burn it all down with with the flamethrower of justice. (laughs) Flamethrowing. Chainsaw. Chainsaw will then. You can't burn it down with a chainsaw, though, so he's going to need to get himself a flamethrower. Well, I mean, you know, if you can get that friction going high enough. He can buy my new combo that's coming out, or hybrid. Exactly. There you go. Frontrunner Malay would have a relatively small number of seats in Congress and little regional government support. Many voters, however, appeared resigned to a Malay win. A reflection of how, uh, you know, it's like if there are people who support him, they're resigned to a Malay I win. I guess it's going to happen. Yeah. They should be more excited, right? It's going to be exciting. I, I guess we'll be radically changing things for the better. There's going to be a watch party here in New Hampshire at the show, apparently. Really? Yeah. For this Malay thing? All right. That's just way too far for me to go to that. To if, be honest, if, but it's if one of them is fun. listening right now, when you get the results, call into tomorrow night's show. Oh, that would Share. be great. If anybody is going to the watch party at the Shell tomorrow, definitely call into the show as soon as you uh, find out and let Free Talk Live know at 603-283-6160, which is the number anyone can call in right now to get your thoughts on unless you're Squidward. Or if, and they might also be preemptively you know, setting him up for failure, right? It's not going to have regional support, not going to have congressional support. So his ha- his hands are going to be tied regardless of all the cost-cutting waste with, management mm-hmm. he wants to... With all the people who say things like, I'm going to vote for someone who can win. You know, they get they get um, influenced by people saying stuff like that. Like, oh, he's not going to be able to do good. He's yeah. not going to be able to win. Vote for him anyway. Yeah, just vote for him anyway. I think that's such a dumb excuse to not vote for someone. Even if I was like a, a federal... Um, government voter i've never thought that that made any sense like I can't it's a self-fulfilling prophecy right it's like you just want to be on the side you want to be like yeah i picked the right one and they won and that's all yeah. it is to you look what you get when you do that though after they said that um many voters are just resigned to a malay win it says a reflection of how the former television pundit has managed to take hold of the political narrative leveraging memes and videos online that have resonated with younger voters. Yep. Those are some dank memes, by the way. I have not seen them. 
I have. They're awesome. That's mostly funny. it's like quotes, like just straight up, just quote him. It's it, he memes himself. Put him on there with those uh, sideburns and what he actually said about things. Anytime I see a Spanish meme, I go straight to Google Translate because I know it's about to be funny. They're just great at making memes. All right. I'm going to vote for Masa, but Malay is going to win, said Stella Buke, 65, who has a book stall at the Parque Centenario Fair. At this point, I don't see any other way. Here now, all the poor people are right wing. It's all the stupid poor people. The That's right wing she... stupid poor people. Yeah, I guess she's just Is there right wing and left wing the same? Yeah, I have no right clue. Wing left wing? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, kind of got established throughout the world from like uh, the French shifting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just double checking. That was I don't that, pay that close. whole article. I just think it's really funny because basically they're, um, you know, they're so scaremongering so hard or fearmongering so hard about Malay. It's so obvious that they're terrified that he might win. I'm resigned to have more freedom and liberty and better finances in my life. I guess I'll be able to afford milk again if I have to. And we read an article just the other day, maybe like one week ago, actually, that Ian had read in jail and he suggested that I read. That was so funny because they're actually starting to blame him for those things. They're, oh yeah, right? yeah. Oh, absolutely. That I don't that know how was, that's possible. No, it, it, propaganda. Like it's it astonishing. Yeah. Propaganda. It's astonishing. Like when he does well is when they start like cranking up the money printers. Mm-hmm. That does the obvious thing of making everything more expensive because there's more Argentinian dollars now. And then they go, oh look at look at what it's he's doing. Because do. of we the can't, popularity. We can't pop. It's it's the popularity, and we can't give him the power when things are this bad. Coming up. There is a new way to call out of work just by saying you're not in the mood. To hear more about that, stick with us. uh, Free Talk Live. More coming up. Get on the air with us. 603-283-6160. It's the final hour tonight of Free Talk Live. And we do have a call on the line. So I'm going to go straight into it. But first, in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Peakless Mountaineer. And Richie Rich. And secondly, I also have to read a Dash ad. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash. Digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. What about paying your bills? Spritz.finance can do that, and they can send dollars to your bank account in case you need those for some reason still. 
Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn more about Dash. Dash.org. And moving right into the calls, we have um, Mr. Hathaway in Arizona. Mr. Hathaway, uh, David, what is on your mind? Yeah. Hi, Bonnie, Peakless, and Richie. Uh, hi. I'm sitting here with my my wife, Karen. Hi, Karen. Uh, you know, I had a couple of things to talk about. Uh, first First off, on, thank you for the lollipops. Oh, yeah, he ate <laughs> oh, them. Are you the one that ate it? I'm Bonnie the only one that, that ate it. <laughs> yeah, he ate both yeah, did, of them. Did, did you eat the scorpion also? Of course I did. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, it never... is a lot like popcorn that gets stuck between your teeth. That's how I would describe it. <laughs> yeah, well, Bonnie pointed out one of them had the little stinger thing on the tail, and the other one didn't. So I don't know yeah. if it had an extra pop on the one if you ate well, the poison he, or no. he did I didn't not. Think, I didn't think either of them had the stinger. No, on maybe there. not the actual stinger, but they had um, one of them had an extra piece to the tail that was a different color, and okay. one of them didn't have that. So I was All like, right. "What the heck is that? Like a you know poison sack?" Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. I survived. Yeah, look, he yeah. just ate the scorpion. I hope so. Slowly, because it didn't it didn't come out of the lollipop right away. Right, I was. I'm hoping oh, you wow. survived, so we don't have some kind of sixth sense kind of setup here. Well, in I theory. made it through the doorway. Okay, fair well, enough. What What's on your mind, David? Yeah. yeah, a couple of things. First, I want to start out talking about. I've written to Ian. Uh, a couple of times, and then there was a comment, I think it was on last night's show or the night before, where somebody said, don't use weird kinds of paper. And the first letter I wrote was on the airplane flying back. They had the little vomit bag that's in the pocket in front of you, and I wrote a letter on that, and I continued it on the napkin. It was like an American Airlines napkin. So I did write a letter to him on weird paper, and I'm wondering if that would be rejected. So um, he received that. I've spoken to him, and he said they just, I guess, decided to be nice because when they were in this exact jail before, I wrote nobody um, a really pretty little um, note that I wrote him, and it was on just a small piece of notebook paper, and they rejected it. But for your letter this time, they photocopied it and gave it to Ian, which was just like um, unexpected. Like, I don't know. Courtesy. I've never heard of them. Yeah. Just actually decide to be nice. So he received oh, that. Okay. Maybe it's because well, you share it. Was... Yeah, I thought about that. <laughs> another thing I was wondering is on the books, um, I sent him a couple of new books and then a couple of used books because they were cheaper. And then I read on some website that you can't send used books to a jail. They can only have new books do you know about that yeah they have to be from amazon they have to be from amazon as the seller and i'm pretty sure that they do have to be new because the idea is oh you could have known the seller told the seller to put drugs in the book and then sent it to a prisoner but that was yeah, my idea okay i don't think yeah, that was... you'll get them back either like i think you just kind of lose the money for it so that sucks but he did oh, I receive ask you that like yeah if i would uh if I would get notification or send it back, but were you saying he, he got some of them? Um, they didn't tell him who these books were from, but he was wondering if this book about a DEA agent who uncovered some terrible murder and then got basically, um, it's a true story. So this DEA agent found out that another DEA agent tortured and killed a DEA 
a agent and um, made it seem like the cartel did it. And then when he uncovered that and tried to bring it to light, the DEA like um, was like all turning their backs on him and they didn't give yeah, him a ceremony. Yeah. All this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I said that one and it turned out to actually be a CIA agent that, oh. that led the, the interrogation and the torture of Kiki Camarena and wow. another DEA agent that was running that investigation. And I was also part of that investigation. We uncovered wow. that there were CIA involvement in that because they had pilots that were using this uh, Rafael Caro Quintero, uh, his airstrip to smuggle, uh, you know, guns to the Contras in Nicaragua and to smuggle cocaine back into the U.S. And then the CIA agent, and there's actually uh, a, a cassette tape of the recording of him leading the interrogation and the torture death. But yeah, I did. Oh my gosh. I did send that one. Uh, another one that I, I sent that he probably won't get, uh, there was like a history, hardback history of Keene, New Hampshire, just a generic history book. Oh, and that's pretty cool. The, the, yeah, the new version was expensive, though. It was like 50 bucks. So then I found the used one on some Amazon reseller, and I'm thinking, yeah, he's probably not going to wind up getting that one. But, uh, he has not yeah. received that, or at least he hasn't told me he has, and usually he always updates, updates me about what books he has. And I think he'd be, like, excited about that, so he probably didn't get it. So sorry about that. I really hope that they do something like return to sender and then you get your money back. But I haven't tried it. And um, Rich Rich is shaking his head. Like probably not. Why would they? Yeah, they they don't care about anyone. Yeah, I would just probably go back to whatever the Amazon reseller was, and then they'd get the money. Maybe I'll get it credited back. I can probably figure it out if I get the money credited back if it gets returned to the seller. But anyway, the other thing I I wanted to talk about is I always get invited to make speeches here. I got invited to do the Veterans Day speech and then be the keynote speaker to the Democrat Club. And it's kind of hard to do those things on the Veterans Day speech. Like I don't, the same people show up to all those. There are kind of a lot of warmongers, you know, cheering for foreign wars and all that. So I, at first I said no, and then I agreed to do it. And then I just kind of searched on the internet to try to find how do you do a peace speech on Veterans Day. And then I actually found something from JFK, from John F. Kennedy from 1961, where it was a pretty good anti-war speech, and I plagiarized parts of that, so I'm I'm writing that up. And I also was the keynote speaker to the local Democrat club yesterday. Karen went along with me to that. And um, actually, it's not too hard to speak to a group of Democrats if you remind them that what their roots are. So I reminded them in the 1960s and 70s, Democrats were anti-war. They were against the Vietnam War. Nice. You know, they were. And I told them about the Uniparty and they're all kind of shaking their heads like they hadn't well, heard that and, term. And I was telling them. <laughs> well, and and yeah, even ahead. even in George W. Bush's reign, they were anti-war. They, right. they, that was the majority of the ones showing up at the at the anti-war rallies, which were the biggest ones since the 60s. I'll just yeah, interject real quick. Them that the Clintons, you know, Hillary and Bill Clinton, they're both, you know, still heroes of the Democrats nowadays. I reminded them during their college years, they were protesters against the Vietnam War, and they also were protesting the drug war. You know, you should be able to, you know, smoke a joint if you want. And they were protesters of police brutality and how we have high rates of imprisonment in the U.S. and that Democrats did traditionally were against those things, locking people up for victimless crimes. So it's just, yeah, you know, I want to make sure I'm not two-faced. I'm not disingenuous. You know that I don't say different things to different groups, but I'm just kind of finding like what resonates with the group. So those were two speeches I was yeah, okay. not looking forward to doing, but 
there's there's kind of a way like it was sort of a history lesson for the younger ones yesterday in this Democrat club that, you know, like I'm 64. And, you know, so when I went through elementary school, it was Vietnam War and high school was in the 70s. So, you know, I remember all that, but kind of the younger Democrats don't know. Well, you know, it's kind of the Democrat legacy to be for peace and anti-war. And I told them there's there's this thing that you've I'm sure you guys have heard called the Uniparty, where at the D.C. level, they're kind of indistinguishable, you know, Democrats and Republicans. The way they campaign is they say, look, you better vote for us, because if not, you'll get that other guy and look how bad he is. Mm -hmm. And they both basically say that, but they don't stand for anything. And I also remind them about corporatism they're supposedly you know they were oh i forgot about that corporatism (laughs) no that the left used to be against corporations and corporate power it's been so long the whole whole autism thing was first coming along those are democrat groups that pointed out that the pharmaceutical companies are pushing you know you know oxycodone you know uh, opiate-based pain relievers and then there were massive lawsuits against them and the Democrats were saying, look, these big corporations, you know, Pfizer and Merck and all these people, uh, they're, they have crony relationships with the government, you know, big tobacco and all that stuff, the military industrial complex. Those used to be Democrat issues. So, you know, I didn't I didn't beat them over the head with every issue, but tried to just do a history lesson to remind them, hey, these used to be Democrat issues, you know, the anti-corporate stuff, anti-crony stuff. See, and I'm, again, pro-opiates because I've. I've tried CBD oils for pain relief, and I've tried THC cream for pain relief. And you know what works? Oxy. I love opiates, but yeah. in the form of kratom. Um, <laughs> yeah, kratom I did not work I, either. I believe everyone has the right to choose what their medisons are going to be. Yeah, well, you, right. And just because, like, the, oh, sure. those are no-no medicines, no, that's absurd. And I did want to say, yeah. like, I feel like I've been uh, fast and loose or whatever it is with kratom on the air. And I I do want to point out that it's addictive to people because I think I just have a strong constitution like in in the way that like I whenever I feel like oh it's starting to not affect me as much and I feel like I need to take more or I'm like it's consuming my life I'm able to just be like stop take a break for a while and I don't think a lot of people are so or would be so yeah. just pointing that out well, I just like feel in like people in the community poo poo the poo poo the pharmaceuticals in favor of like the natural cannabis hey and if if that works for me if that works try it first but if it doesn't work then yeah i did that's the thing i did i tried the oils i tried the cream pharmaceuticals work yeah and you can look online and you can see on the old days bayer aspirin with heroin you know like and they had a thing called you know oh yeah they invented it that's still out there and it's like alcohol with you know uh mixed mixed with opiates and you know like if you know, if uh, if all drugs were legal, it's not like my mom or you know my grandma would become like a heroin addict or something like Straight that. Straight to know, the mouth. People would, yeah, they would. <laughs> you know, for the ecstasy, the MDMA. Those things, you know, as, as needed back in those days. Yeah, but when the government gets involved, you know, then you know that it becomes a problem. And they start, you know, putting people who are going to have a drug problem anyway in jail and compounding other problems. Not yeah, in the mood. Yeah. Take this pill. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all over the come at the right from the right and the left from the left hmm. because the things that yeah. people really feel good about that being one of their team uh, issues tend to be the things that we're awesome at anyway. Right. Well, like maybe because there's a whole bunch of Trump supporters mad at Trump for still pushing the vaccine, 
even though it was his idea to begin with, mm. right? Because Joe yep. Biden ran with it. All of a sudden, they're like, nope, they're booing Trump on stage when he was like, take the vaccine, you know, Operation right, Warp yeah. Speed. This right, is he's not they, coming at the right from the right. But yep. that's where it started. Bonnie, I'm going to pass the phone to Karen. She actually got inspired. Oh. She gave you the little crocheted donkey and the little bear, but she got inspired to make some crocheted porcupines, and yes. she's made a, a couple since her end. I'm going to pass the phone to her. Hi. Hi, Karen. I showed your porcupine, the picture you sent um, on my Twitter, and tons of people liked it. I said, a visitor made this after um, a, just a short visit to the free state and had a picture of the porcupine, and everybody on Twitter loved it. Oh, well, thank you so much. I enjoyed trying to make that. <laughs> Anything else on your mind? You should integrate no, real needles so. to give it some quills. Well, <laughs> thanks, you guys, so much for the support and... Um, for the call, I really appreciate you guys and anyone who would write to Ian. That's just that just means the world to me, and I know it does to Ian too because um, he doesn't have a lot to do in there, and it's really boring. So thank you guys for calling and for that um, clarification for anybody else interested in sending him a book or a letter. And the only other thing I was going to suggest to David is if he's looking for script uh, fodder, right? Throw that prompt into Chat GPT. Oh yeah, and see and see what go. what draft that starts you with. That that works out so well sometimes. We have another call. I'm not sure if this is going to work. It says GTL inmate call. So, um, caller, you're on the air with us, I think. What's on your mind? Hello. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like it was going to work. Well, David was still on. I just clicked the screen button. So I I think it probably did something like where I had to press one and uh, I wasn't able to do that. It w- I mean, I would only be able to do that if they called during the break. So if they're still listening, they should call during the break um, right after 629. I mean, uh, 929. We but, do have a caller that occasionally will call in from prison. Yeah, so. I, we've had other ones. I don't think yeah. I've ever taken them. So okay. I don't uh, like know how to answer them outside the break. But I might have to do it on the break. Um, anyways, we have this story from the Wall Street Journal. And Richie Rich brought this in. It, it's kind of funny to me. It says that there are people who are Darn reinventing they're reinventing the sick day. It's millennials and Gen Z. Yeah, I was going to say, That's who's probably doing more it. Gen Z. <laughs> Can I have it in a vape, please? There you go. I need a sick day in vape form. If they can't vape during work, then they're not even going to apply. No. I want a caffeine vape. Mm. Oh, that would be awesome. It's a thing. Right? Oh, it, it is? Oh, yeah, it's yep. a thing. Yeah. I'd never heard of that. Look it up. It's like no nicotine? No nicotine. I mean, I don't really want to do it because all the other ingredients is more what yeah. I'm worried about. It's like all the Whatever. syrups, I mean, they got poisons. like a B12 vape, too. Hmm, that's crazy. <laughs> that's wild. Getting all of your vitamins in right. vape form. It's what the millennials and the Gen Zers want, man. It's, it's the only way to upgrade from the uh, uh, Flintstones gummies, really. <laughs> this is to vape. from Taping Chen for the Wall Street Journal. They say the bar for taking a sick day is getting lower and some bosses say that's a problem. Yeah. U.S. workers have long viewed an unwillingness to take sick days as a badge of honor. You know why? Because you get uh, you get the little certificate in grade school for having perfect attendance. Yeah, that's what I was immediately thinking of. I never had those. I've seen recognition in uh, different workplaces for people who had perfect attendance for the year. Yeah. Mm. See, sometimes even a bonus. Wow. She's been here for 40 years and never missed a day in her life. Right. Wow. That's just Poor lady. sad. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
That's a Laurel Workers Care. Wait, what? That's a Laurel Workers Care. Much less about these days. Okay, oh, Laurel, a Laurel being a, a particular Prize. honor, like you would, yeah. uh, you'd get a Laurel for winning the Olympics like in back in the day. Yeah. Um, it says the number of sick days Americans take annually has soared since the pandemic. Employee payroll data show. COVID-19 and a rise in illnesses such as RSV, which can require days away from work, are one reason. Sure. I'm pretty sure it's mostly... Um, I just need a mental health day. That kind of stuff. Managers I need to take care of me today. And plus, like, during, uh, quote-unquote, the pandemic, there were, like, a, a huge slackening of the reins in work anyway. Like, people got used to doing stuff like working from home and stuff like that. Quitting their jobs because their jobs suddenly sucked. That's what I did. But I didn't even go on welfare like everyone else. I just went and did Uber Eats. And that was like such a slackening of the reins. I never I never went back to a normal job ever again in my life. Well, except the Moose Mart, but they're pretty, um, they're not, you know, slave drivers over there. You don't have to take a sick day. You just don't show up and it's okay. No. Bonnie's not here today. I was a great um, <laughs> worker at Moose Mart. They love me. Or the, the meetup restaurant that just randomly closes some nights and then we can't have the meetup there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I think we don't the, have anyone willing to work. Well, I mean, oh, yeah, most jobs, why. yeah, have been have been slave drivers and have been moving in that sort of generally less human kind of environment. And that was somewhat acceptable back when we could potentially ever buy a house. Yeah. yeah. But at this point, people are like, what, you're going to treat me like absolute garbage and it's never going to help me. I'm going to be in debt for the rest of my life and never afford anything. Why would I not take an extra sick day? Right. Or at least just like do a job that's super easy. Like whenever I was doing Uber Eats, I was making just as much money during... The, I was making more money during the pandemic than I would be if I stayed at my waitress job where nobody was allowed to come inside and we were just giving people to-go orders. Like that was an obvious, uh, you know, idea. And, and then even then I would quit all my other jobs in between then, that wasn't like when I first started do, doing Uber Eats. I would like go be like, okay, this is getting like a lot for me. I need to go get a real job. I'd work at Walmart for a few months and I'd be like, you scheduled me on Halloween. I'm quitting. I can always just do Uber Eats. And I didn't have to go be in a building for eight hours a day, which eight hours is just ridiculous to me. Seriously, like I just don't want to be in some stupid building for eight hours a day. You should at least offer there to be like... um. You know, like I would, I would work every single day if it was like five hour days. Okay. You more, more likely than I would want to have even a just part time job, eight hour days. I mean, it ruins your whole life. I hear what you're saying, but the other day was like a nice day here in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and my boss was like, "Hey, I'll give you a ten minute break if you just want to go outside and enjoy the weather." I was like, "No, I don't, I don't care about being outside." Like to me, it's not really like being indoors or outdoors. It's being stuck and not being able to. Go okay. do things I want to actually do. All right. Well, I mean, that's fair, and that's 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 the leisure time, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, it's, it's well, and schedule flexibility. Like you yeah. were saying, you did Uber Eats. I right. mean, that's ultimate uh, schedule flexibility. Of like, if I need five minutes, I can just take five minutes between yeah. my deliveries. Right. No, I get you, but it's it's a weird, it's a Doug Stanhope bit, but it's like you know, work five to get two. You know, who wants to do that? Well, everyone did, right? You you work five. And then, like, your leisure time is the other two days. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. they suck because you're like, oh, I have to go to work in two days. The whole time. Well, that's your fault for having the mentality that the, your days off are going to suck because work is on the horizon. Well, no, I would no. argue that that is actually the fault of money printing. 
Okay. Yeah, it really so is. all of this, uh, all of this work that we've done to advance technology, so that we would have these labor-saving devices, so that we'd we'd have absolute pinnacle efficiency in getting our resources where they need to go, and we still only have two days off. That yeah. is because the system is rigged to keep it that way. It's not because we actually need to work that much. That's fine, but if you're upset, you, if you're spending your two days off lamenting that you have to be at work in a couple of days. Right then, that's that's misuse of mental work, mental. Brain that's just power. how bad the jobs I've had mostly have sucked, and I've okay. never like had any kind of. Passion like you don't spend for... your time at you spend your time at work going all right weekends coming, you know. Can't, I'm excited at work because two days from now I get to go. I get a day off. Not really. I spent my time at like uh, for example hotel jobs thinking like, f you, you idiot to these. Idiots who were trying to talk to me like I'm some kind of a slave, not just my bosses, but mostly the people who work there. Like if you work in hotels, you know, the people who stay at like it can be an econolodge and people who stay there are suddenly like royalty because, you know, I'm good at compartmentalizing that, man, because once I'm off the clock, I'm off the clock mentally. Mm. All of a sudden it's like, all right, what am I eating? Where am I going? What am I playing tonight? What movies am I watching? Like that's. You know, Monday morning, roll out of bed, like, oh man, now so I'd be do one of those thing. people that would do the sci fi treatment to have like work you and weekend you be literally different people. Sure. What do you think? Am I lazy? 603 283 6160. Free Talk Live. Talk Live, and it's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That number is 603-283-6160, and you can call in with whatever is on your mind. With you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie, Peakless Mountaineer, and Richie Rich. And I want to say thanks to Sean Paul. He's a silver level amplifier. An amplifier is a person who helps amplify market and promote and support um free talk live um silver means he gives more uh, i mean he gives uh five dollars a month and we really appreciate that um to learn more and learn how you can become a member of the amps program there are some benefits that you'll get for um helping amplify market promote and support the show you can go to amps 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 dot freetalklive.com that's amps.freetalklive.com and thank you again sean paul going back to this wall street journal article um i guess we haven't really started it yet but it's about the younger gener- generation especially they're calling in sick more than they used to and some employers say it's costing them money well i guess we did we read the first article them. our first uh first paragraph here um they say that COVID-19 is part of the reason why, because people have, there's been a rise in illnesses. I guess I could kind of believe that there have been- Whatever their excuses. A rise in illnesses. Okay, to be fair, there almost certainly is a rise in illnesses. Like, we really screwed people up by, oh, I don't know, taking away their faces. Yeah, yeah. Telling them they weren't allowed to go outside. Like, yeah, that's going to have some- some, uh, echoes for a little while of screwing up people's health. I want to see if we can take this call. It's okay. the GTL inmate call. Dial one eight six six 
607-607-6006. It's not letting me do anything. Usually you can kind of press one. Are you there, caller? Should have screened it during the break. No, he didn't start calling until so just now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Your fault, caller. Well, I don't think I can so do anything. Close. It started telling me to press some or call some number. So um, if you're calling in inmate, um, mystery inmate, I'm sorry. I tried, but I can't really take the call unless you do it during the break, possibly. Well, but even then, I'm not sure if I can. There's no more breaks. No, yeah, you can't You can't call in again tonight. But Too late. Talking about Too tomorrow late, or something. Um. Anyways, more people are calling out from work. It says, for one... More workers are using up sick time, often for reasons such as mental health. See? And They're I'm, not even sick. Well, last night, okay. Mm, they're sick in the head. The reason Maybe. I wanted to get into this article, and I thought it was so funny, is last night, my sister and I, I was telling Richie Rich this before the break, and I don't really mind telling the radio. At first, I felt like, like last night when I was in the thick of being scared, I was thinking, like, I can't tell anyone this. It's going to, like cause my house to be like listening and my house to start having haunted things happen but let me just long story short my sister and i were falling asleep she was sleeping on the couch in my room so uh, my room set up kind of like a foyer a door and then an actual bedroom but my door was open like both doors were open or the door in between was open sorry and um i woke up to a, a voice and she woke up to the voice and she immediately said bonnie were you talking and i was like no, I was asleep. And she said she swears that she heard my voice say, I'm back. Well, and during the last break, Bonnie thought she heard me call her back to the studio well, from wherever she was. I know you and said I was, something. I did not address you at all. No, I swear you said okay. like, Bonnie, when were you born or something? If if it wasn't. That was peakless when you walked back into the room. No, no, it was right before that. Maybe you, you, I just heard you guys talking. Maybe I just thought okay. it was your right. voice. But nothing or maybe else. Maybe it was. We were a... definitely talking, but you were not being summoned. Nothing else haunted has been happening in my house. Okay. So I really uh, refuse to believe that. Maybe it was that. just some unusual quantum uh, interference there. You got some right. like time traveling sound oh, waves. Hmm. Is this some interstellar stuff? Yeah, maybe. That'd be kind of cooler the than, you or know. the past. Okay. That would be cooler than a, a ghost. Like, I, I don't know. No, that's that's one of my explanations for some of the ghost activity is just you're experiencing unusual quantum phenomena. I mean, that the totally Hans makes Herman sense. The Hans book startly protrudes from the shelf to make sure <laughs> you grab that next in your libertarian reading. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, anyways, so because just of that. skip, a jump, and a Hans Herman hop. They must be physically removed. Well, we were, like, scared after that happened. So I told my sister, like, just... Come get in bed with me. Like, I'm too creeped okay. out now to be alone Where's in here Ricky now. from the Commonwealth on this one? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so she stayed in my bed last night, and we were, like, awake for, like, a whole extra hour because of this, because we were just, like, freaked out. And the, and the reason is because we've been watching Sam and Colby videos, and I totally don't mind, like, shouting them out. I love Sam and Colby. And, you know, that makes me Gen Z. Except that they're scary. Yeah, they, they go and you know who they're these YouTubers. people are? I have no earthly oh, okay. idea. See, that, right. that makes me Gen Z, I, I I will say. always think of you as Gen Z. Yay. Um, so Even anyways, though the Census Bureau doesn't. If it's no, not the, the Census Bureau does. It's Wikipedia Cody. that doesn't. Oh, it's, uh, I just looked it up. The oh. Census Bureau uh, calls it all the way until the millennium, which makes a certain what? kind of sense. Well, yeah. not You're really if you think of like... Yeah, okay. Seriously, Which people in 1999 are not millennials. Like, my little brother was born in 1999. There's even a big difference between him and I, and I was born in 1996. But anyways... Well, I mean, Boomer's definitely a state of mind, so... Yes, it is. 
It totally is. That's a fact. You can say okay boomer to someone who wasn't actually born during the baby boom. I've done it. That's true. It's meaningful as a statement. Yes. I also um, think of my friends that happen to be boomers as not boomers, or or I always had, um, because I said, like, jokingly about someone else, I was like, okay boomer, about someone we were talking about, and they were all like, we're boomers. And I was like, wait, really? I didn't think of them as boomers. Let's talk about this for a minute because it vaguely relates to the article that we're reading. Right, There was some other piece of show prep in the host channel where some people were homeless and living in a tent and oh my gosh, woe on them. Right, And the boomer in the group steps like, by the time I was 12, I had a job and I worked my entire life. And oh. why don't these people just go out and get a job and work hard for a living? Like, he uh, didn't they, mention that he wasn't getting paid for the job at 12, except in comic books. Either way, either way, like on this show, right, we have <laughs> talked about how raising the minimum wage has priced those people out of the job market mm-hmm. altogether. Right. Because they can't get them. Yeah. Right. right. And his suggestion to this like homeless teen was just go get a job, you lazy. Like, why are these lungs so lazy today? Well, when I was 12, I just went out and got a job. And because it's Gen illegal X. to give them a job where you pay right. what they're worth. Right. Which is which is an argument we make on the air. Right. All the time. And technically he's Gen X, so totally boomer is a state of mind. Basically the That's whole, my point. That's why I said boomer is a state of mind. The whole reason totally I brought up move. the ghost activity in my house is to say my sister called off work simply because she was too scared to go to work and like get Way up to in the put dark. On blast and, on see. national air now. <laughs> and Wait she doesn't, I Wait doubt that those people are listening. The knife, Bonnie. No, we I don't know think who she'd the care. Narc in this room is. <laughs> I don't think she'd care, and I doubt her bosses are listening. But we do have a caller well, on the line. I just noticed. Well, I, I just wanted to say real quick, like if you look at the suicide rates, yeah, people are sick. They need their mental health. Yeah, I mean, like I would That's rather weekend, kill myself man. than go work at Walmart again. Um, Kevin from Florida. Are you still there? Are you on the line? Or are oh, you yeah, on I'm, there with I'm us? I'm still here, Bonnie. I'm still here. It's good to hear you guys. They've been uh, covering football for the past couple of weekends. Oh, and I've been missing sucks. listening to you folks at night down here. What's in your mind? It's a very interesting oh. conversation. Um, I like that stuff you guys were talking about with the Argentinian um, Javier information. Yeah. You know, something um, I had a chance when I was in a place where I really didn't want to be for a while to read a bunch of books from a place called Gutenberg.org, which I think I mentioned to you folks once before. Yeah, that that's what they give them in jail. Ian just found out about it, and it's uh, it's still out there. They give it to it's, the prisoners in, in jail, and it's really uh, cool because it's everything that doesn't have copyright anymore. So you can read like... And most importantly, it's everything you could ever want to know. For example, the book Argentina, Legend and History, which I read is book number 49112 at Gutenberg.org, where you have 60,000-plus books that anybody can download. I actually have the text for it on my computer. 570 pages. Yeah, it's a a nice view of uh, what an IP-free world would look like. And that's what it's supposed to be. Very correct. What is Ian's address up there in Keene? Do you guys um, have that? Because you, I don't, you're not Keen. allowed to give it on the... Well, he's not in Keen anymore the... since he's in jail, but um, I can give you the website where you can find it. It's If you go to freekeen.com, oh, 
Yeah, I'm not going to be able to give you the whole address over the phone. That's it's just fine. Don't worry about it. I was just interested in the zip code and stuff up there and keen to send some information up to you folks. But another book that I found, which is very <laughs> apropos of your other caller, who is discussing the history, the modern history of the Democrat Party. Hmm. When you go to a few books from the 1860s and 1870s, which are contemporaneous to that time frame, specifically the Reconstruction. One of the books that I read is called Picture of the Desolated States and Restoration of the Republic from 1866. Where are you going to find a book like that? Over 200 and some odd pages. Book number 55127. And what did you learn All in that book? wonderful people... Yeah, what I found in that book was the actual, I think it was chapter 16 or, or 56, I forget which chapter it was, there was a lot of chapters in the book, discussed when the actual Democrat Party became a force and a power behind the those who thought they had the right to kill and murder by, you know, using trees and ropes and all the rest of that stuff and how they used this new political force to essentially force stuff that continued into the 1920s, the 1930s, the 1940s, segregation, all of that stuff that people don't get a chance to read because, as we all know, the left and the right both like to wipe away history so that people will only hear what they're told to hear. Mm. Until you read the actual black and white text, well, the computer screen on these ebooks, that all of these great volunteers that work for, I'm not trying to you know, be a shill for Gutenberg, I just yeah. am impressed that they have all these books. Yeah, well, I would definitely agree. Um, Gutenberg.org is an interesting thing. It's pretty fun because Ian and I can read. Thank you for the call, Kevin. But Ian and I, um, him being a prisoner right now, can uh, read something together and then discuss it. We haven't like started that yet since he's gotten a, actually a fair amount of books sent to him. And thank you to anyone who has sent him books because that's you know one of his only things to do. He also has a kind of like a friend in there who. Um, has a Wall Street Journal. Is that the expensive one? Like Probably. A, um, he has a Wall Street Journal um, subscription. Times. It's well, I think he has both. Okay. And he's sharing them with Ian. Uh, so Ian's like keeping up with those. And he's even like giving me some show prep that he's wanted me to cover. Nice. So yeah, he ha- it has that to do in there. Um, but uh, moving on back to this article. Also just pirate books. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, pi- just find the pirate site for well, all the books and audio books if you're yeah. not in jail. Well, I mean, just to uh, uh, tag on to what he was saying there at the end, uh, a lot of people don't realize that there's a uh, direct connection between the Ku Klux Klan and the Democratic Party, where the KKK was essentially the militant arm of that political party. Mm-hmm. And they really are doing the same thing that they used to do, just in a slightly different way. Now they just call them Antifa. Right. Instead of instead of considering black people to be, you know, awful, horrible, dangerous people, it's we must consider them people who can't possibly get along on their own without mm. our help they say it yeah they tweet that out right as if it's nothing yeah yeah it's just different kinds of racism 
Yep. Um, I've always heard that, that the Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan was part of the Democratic Party when it first came out. Um, the main thing Check is... Check the wiki. It's true. Wikipedia um, says I, so. I believe it totally. Um, the main thing is just um, being part of one or, one or the other of those sides. You're just, you know, asking those in power to take from others and give to you and your group. And it's just like kind of gross no matter which way, which yeah. side you're coming from. So I don't know. I don't have like a favorite side. But we were talking about um, people not being in the mood to work and um, the consequences that is coming out with for employers. And I do feel bad for them, honestly. Like as much as I was like complaining about jobs, like I, I do feel bad for people who are just trying to run their businesses and stuff like this happening now. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Because there's motivation and incentives to get people to show up for work. Hmm. And if people are calling out sick or using an abundance of time hmm. or quitting the job, right, they're improperly motivated and incentivized. Right? Like yeah. I, I talked to my boss about this because we run a, a remote crew of workers that do like telemarketing in general. Right? And he goes, like, did you know... That, you know, at some point money stops being a motivator. So we got to like give these people something else, you know, to motivate them to work. I go, yeah, that's for like wealthy people, right? At some point money stops being a motivator, but we pay like very low rates comparatively to other places, right? Money's the motivator. Yeah, money's the motivator. If if you're like Mm -hmm. entry level, money's the motivator. Yeah, Yeah, and if you ask people... Almost exclusively, they will say, yeah, I don't care about the benefits. I don't care yeah. about the holiday sick paid leave. I pizza care parties. about getting right. yeah, pizza parties. Good Lord. Is that what he's asking? I care about proposing? money. We've ordered pizza, but our staff is mostly remote. So pizza party doesn't really work. Oh, yeah. But, what it, but my point is like at some point when you're wealthy enough, money stops being a motivator. Yeah. Right? It's marginal utility. At that point, like I will give, we'll give you an extra five hundred bucks this year. Like I don't really need the extra five hundred bucks. All my bills are paid. I got what I want. I want the time off, right? In lieu of the five hundred bucks, right? Like my time is more valuable than that, and that is not true at the entry level positions yeah. that most of the Generation Z is starting to find themselves in mm-hmm. as they enter the workforce, right? And the money that they're making, as noted, is highly inflated. They're yeah. getting no value for it. Right. They're, they're not going to go anywhere, you know, from those positions because it just there's no room. You know, there's no room. But that's kind of why I feel taken apart. bad for employers, because a lot of it isn't their fault. Like if they're paying a correct wage, it's going to be the wrong wage like in a month with inflation. Then, then, then give people a raise in a month. Yeah, I guess. Right? You just keep giving them giving them raises. I've never ran my own business, but I mean, it's it, you, at some point you can't. Right. And then you just go out of business. Or you deal with this. Right? Well, and unfortunately, what tends to happen is that people are are used to paying a certain amount for a certain employee, and they're not willing to give them that raise because, well, yeah. why should I? And what happens is, well, when, when the money gets printed and all the prices have gone up, that employee then has to quit that job, go yep. somewhere else, because they're not used to paying them that. Yep. And then it all starts over again later on when we've printed more money. I've suggested that, too. I'm like, you cannot replace me. For the price you're paying me. Right. No one no one applying for my job now will take the wage that I accepted a year ago. And the other you thing about it is, it. 
Like, there aren't that many people out there working, like, at all. My sister got a job within, like, three days of getting here. Then she got hired at another job. And then the, the first job was, like, uh, um, competing, like, saying, wait, don't quit. We'll, we'll do this. And she ended up going with the other one anyway. Like, she kind of has, like, the pick of the job. So if one of them is Unemployment is low in New Hampshire. Yeah. Well, really? Yep. Well, it's just, it's weird because there's, like, she, like, tons of help wanted signs and she's just getting any job she wants. Right. Because unemployment is low, that so there's there's an excess amount of jobs. Oh yeah. So oh, because there's an excess amount of jobs, right? People like your sister who are applying, mm-hmm. right? If if company A wants her services, they have to take her away from company B because mm-hmm. no one's there's not enough people looking for jobs. Yeah. In New Hampshire at the moment. It's just like if you're going to do crappy things, like have her be there at 6 a.m. just because you guys want to leave at 8 p.m. every night. Like this grocery store she's working for right now. Everyone is out. Everyone in the building is gone by 8 p.m. But they get there at 6 a.m. to start stocking things that have just been sitting there all night. Yep. Why don't you just stay till 10? No one wants to wake up at 6 a.m. So she's probably going to quit that job because that just sucks so bad. Right. And, and so in her situation... Right, she is sitting in the power yeah. for negotiating. Right, she can she can demand the hours she wants. She can demand the pay she wants, or they don't get her services. Right, and if she's worth it, they pay. If not, she goes somewhere else, and they'll be happy to have her because she's got experience and whatever and doing whatever thing. There's again the 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 unemployment being low and the jobs so abundantly available um, means that to get the highest quality individuals here in New Hampshire. You got to buy them from somebody else. You got to convince them to leave their current job and give them enough to take yours. Yeah. Yeah, And unfortunately, a lot of businesses just won't be proactive on these things. Right. They will only start to change things when it becomes an emergency. Like Mm. if you're, if your company can't replace you at what they're paying you, they, they still won't pay you more. Right. They'll just wait until it's a crisis because you've left. Then they end up having to pay more than you were going to ask anyway. Right. And they, the company that I work at is facing that exact scenario mm. in a different department. Well, and this is, uh, it's a, a recurring problem of all of humanity that we tend not to make the changes that would be beneficial when they're easy to make. Yep. We only start to move after it's a crisis. The other type of thing that it seems like people do a lot, which is so dumb, but I see it time and time again, is just like go the cheapest route when you know that the, like, in more more like when you're buying a product like oh i could buy the best version of this a medium one or a crappy one and like going with the crappy one just because it's the least expensive but you'll have to buy it again well again when it breaks this is a problem with poverty right i'm i'm at a place in my life now that i can afford good things so my mentality is buy once cry once hmm. right i will buy the top of the line i will keep it forever right, right? you can't do that if you're broke yeah. and poor Right, you you buy what you can afford, and then it breaks, and then you have to spend more money mm-hmm. because you didn't have enough up front to get the good stuff, and that's a poverty cycle of its own. Right. Well, why don't you just get the good stuff the first time? Because you couldn't afford it the first time. Mm-hmm. Right. You could only afford this, and now you can only afford this again, and you never cycle out of it as long as they're inflating it away and keeping everyone poor. And this article does kind of immediately go to insulting young people. It says, and unlike older workers who might have been loath to call in sick for fear of seeming weak or unreliable, younger workers feel more entitled to take full advantage of the benefits they've been given. Yeah. Executives. How dare you feel entitled to what we offered you? Right. Different job market. 
Hmm. Right? Older workers, they needed to keep that job. They only had one job their whole life. They retired. They right. got a pension. Right. Right. You 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 suffered through all that so you could retire in 20 years. Yeah. And, and they expected their company to be loyal to them. It is absolutely mind-blowing. Well, they, back then they were. Right? You got your 20 years. You got your watch. You got a pension. And you were retired by the time you were 45. Right. Yeah, whereas the modern world, like the closest you're going to get is they're going to keep you for 19 years, then fire you so they don't have to give you a watch. The world has changed. And knowing that, right, millennials are going like, well, n- I'm not going to stay 19 years knowing that they're going to dispose of me at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to take full advantage of everything they offer until they stop offering, and then I'll go someplace else and do the same there. It says, this. so far this year, 30% of white-collar workers with access to paid leave have taken sick, t- uh, sick time, up from 21% in 2019. Um, according to data from payroll and benefits software company Gusto, employees between ages 25 and 34 are taking sick, st- sick days most often, with their use rates jumping 45% from before the pandemic. Some employers, such as Stellantis complains such worker absences are driving up the costs. The Detroit car maker has repeatedly brought up the issue as contract talks with the United Auto Workers proceed, saying it lost 10.9% of hourly worker time in 2022 because of unplanned absenteeism. That almost seems like scapegoating the workers for prices that are going to have to go up in the future. Hmm. Right. They won't blame the government because they're getting the cushy government benefits and handouts. Right. Right. And they can't blame the customers because, hey, that's a bad marketing strategy. But it's the workers fault that our prices are going up. If they if we could keep our costs down and they would show up to work, then you would get an, a more cost effective and efficient vehicle. Oh, this- I mean, it's almost like those workers are motivated by higher costs. Go figure. It says before the pandemic, Darren Smith wrestled through any illness at one point, the 50-year-old project manager fell asleep at work while on medication for a shattered ankle, waking up to the keyboard indentations on his face. Then on 2020, he was laid off, and that was his epiphany. The thing about it is maybe one good thing about COVID was people realizing, uh, maybe if I'm sick, I should stay home because spreading sickness is bad. Like, I think it's so stupid when people get actually contagiously sick and go to work where other people are. It is. If you get sick, stay home and wash your hands. Gotta yeah. get the paycheck. Can't afford to miss a day, man. Thank you for listening to Free Talk Live. Um, it's Talk Radio You Control, and we'll be back tomorrow. Peace. If you want to move to the free state, and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com